For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Yes, indeed. You can text 0868104106. Uh, front page of the Echo today talks about the Chamber of Commerce and uh, the business group come up with a, a wish list of things they'd like to see improved, particularly for Cork. Uh, and yesterday we were chatting on the air at one stage about a thing called the Austrian Initiative, which would set up urban housing and big investment funds to build urban housing accessible to the city, affordable homes, you know. Um, so that's one of the things that uh, Chamber were behind. That's why we were mentioning it yesterday. They also talk about uh, other things that need doing, having PRSI for employers. Uh, as well as that, they also mention the, uh, load the I am to, to mention it because it's mortifyingly embarrassing at this stage, the city's event centre venue. They need to have it realised, the realisation of the event centre, they're saying. In fact, uh, it's now uh, six and a half years since the sod was turned in February of 2016 by the then Taoiseach Enda Kenny. There was a lot more with him, Simon Coveney, who's probably as mortified as I am about the event centre and the lack of any progress there. Six and a half years. In fact, the event centre has its own Twitter page now, apparently. It's called Event Centre Sod, or at least the Sod that Enda turned at the event centre has its own Twitter page, uh, if you wish to follow it. Uh, No, seriously, there is one. And they say the event centre, they also have a poll up there which says, which will be sorted out or resolved first? Uh, And when they put the poll up, it was things like Brexit, the Middle East, the Cork Event Centre, or a Pink Floyd reunion. And apparently voters reckoned that a Pink Floyd reunion would come an awful lot quicker and faster than the event centre, or at least laying brick on brick for the event centre. There are other aspects to the story which uh, involve uh, more presence of the Garda Shikana needed on our streets to deter and to detect detect crime. And that's a front and inside page we're making this morning's echo. In fact, just talking on employment and employers, uh, the Sun this morning has a very interesting uh, article on inside pages that they break down into statistics, numbers and percentages. And they're talking about the fact that conservatively, we're looking for about 130,000 staff in different sectors uh, of uh, particularly retail, not necessarily only retail because it figures on construction as well, as in there's work for everybody if they choose to go out and start the job. Now, I know that the story will be about the wages and the minimum wage and that it just doesn't pay people to go to work and the cost of fuel and everything, but they're looking for apparently 4,000 more people to work in pubs immediately. They're looking for 50,000 more people to work in construction immediately. Immediately. They're looking for another 40,000 immediately for restaurants, 25,000 for people in general retail, and at least 10,000 to go in and work in hotels. So when you total that up conservatively, that's 130,000 staff needed. Michael O'Donovan actually was his own pub uh, on Castle Street uh, makes the article today because he's saying that uh, he's relying very much on very young staff these days. It's that hard. And I suppose more like transient staff, maybe college students and whatever. But meanwhile, our population gets bigger. There's 5.1 million people now uh, living in Ireland, 5.1 million. And it's up 88,000 since January to April of this year. So it continues to grow. Uh, I mean, more babies have been born, don't get me wrong, but the vast majority of it has to do with immigration uh, and bringing more and more people into the country. So 88,800 more in the first four months of uh, this year, bringing us to a 14-year population hike, apparently, of 4.1 million. And when you look at numbers and statistics, it's an interesting article in the Examiner today. Read into this whatever you will, but 80% of people 
who were surveyed, according to Noel Baker, would prefer to work from home. And here's the interesting one. They'd prefer to work from home on Mondays and Fridays. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that's just the cynic in me. Like, why isn't it a Tuesday and a Wednesday? Or a Wednesday and a Thursday? Why does it the Friday and the Monday that people like? I mean, I, I, on the other hand, I also have to acknowledge that they say that people working from home are much more productive. They get an awful lot more. They work much harder, apparently. Employers love this, of course, because they get more out of you for the same money. But it always makes me smile when I hear, yeah, I'd like to work from home on a Monday and a Friday. Your thoughts on that are welcome if you're working from home yourself. How's it going for you? Uh, and are the Mondays and the Fridays as productive as the rest of the week? Of course, all of the papers this morning talk about the embattled junior minister, Robert Troy, uh, who fell on one of his swords last night. He remains as a TD, obviously, and why wouldn't he? He was elected by his people, but he has quit as a junior minister because of his own property portfolio of 11 different properties and, uh, you know, the fact that he couldn't fill in his farms properly. So the Red Tops this morning are saying the fall of Troy. Um, uh, Troy quits. I'm sorry for the upheaval, but that's as much as an apology. In fairness, in fairness to the guy, there was one impassioned paragraph that really struck my attention, and it was where he said, I personally will not apologize for being a landlord. I bought my first house at the age of 20 as I went straight into a job after school. So I was in a position to purchase my first property then. I am not a person of privilege, and I have not been brought up with a silver spoon in my mouth, and I've worked for all I have. And I get that, I understand that, but of course... For some, of course, it's the fact that we have, uh, you know, TDs representing constituents in the country uh, at a time of crisis in housing and rental prices who themselves are landlords and have skin in the game. This is a bizarre story. You might have heard in the nine o'clock news there, the uh, story of the 10-month-old child. Uh, this is a story that makes the uh, Independent this morning from Cabra in Dublin. It's about 7 p.m. on Sunday evening. A couple, father and mother, woman and her partner, were going out to the car and they had their child in the car and the baby in the baby seat inside in the car. And then the wife went back in to get something and then the husband or the partner went in after her. So they were gone and the children were in the car for a couple of seconds. I don't know how long, a couple of seconds, maybe a minute, I don't know. But apparently, unbeknownst to them, the car was being watched. So the child's mother and partner left the car briefly. The engine was running outside the home two young children in the back seat. Now, sources are saying that they went in to get something from the house, but a thief had been watching, or at least an opportunist saw that the car was empty, thought the car was empty, engine was running, and drove off the car. Um, Soon enough, though, he, uh, and they say it was he, he got into the vehicle. One of the children, who was nine, was in the back seat, managed to jump out before the car sped off, but the carjacker drove off then with the 10-month-old baby still strapped in the back. Now, apparently, sources are saying that after a few minutes, the thief realized that there was a young baby in the back, didn't pull in the car and leave the car, just pulled in the car, took the baby out, put the baby on a footpath and drove off, sped off. So no one's been arrested and the car has not been recovered. Uh, other stories, actually, that are kind of uh, related to issues involving crime and criminality is the Guardian now hunting for a beast who raped a teen just hours after the Rose of Tralee Festival. Uh, took place. It's a 17-year-old victim from the attack in the County Kerry town that's reported in the Mirror today. And then uh, while this is not in any way casting any aspersions on taxi drivers, unfortunately there is the story of an allegation against a a taxi driver uh, in Dublin, been accused of raping a young woman in the cab. Apparently I won't get into much of the graphic detail on this because it's before the courts. It's very upsetting, but he's charged with raping the woman back in August 9th, apparently, 
Uh, and he insisted when he was questioned by the guards that it was entirely consensual. Uh, but they have CCTV footage showing him pulling in, stopping the car, getting out of the driver's seat, getting into the back seat alongside the passenger and remaining there for 10 or 15 minutes. He then got back into the front seat, drove the car and used his phone to search for the woman's address before driving her there. It's dreadful. There is a, another uh, taxi-related story, uh, and you probably need to know that from the 1st of September, and it's a story we've dealt with on the air uh, over the past few months from time to time, where unfortunately taxi drivers, uh, not all of them, are taking credit and debit cards. Now, there's a text somewhere, a lengthy text or email that I got. I can't put my hands on it now, but it was somebody who did some research or got into, I don't know how many taxi drivers they tried on side about a week ago, and a vast majority of them, time after time after time, do you remember that text? I didn't get to read it out on air. Refused to take a credit or a debit card. But from September 1st, every taxi in Ireland must accept credit and debit card payments. Now, the NTA, the National Transport Authority, must have spent a fortune of money on the, t- on the newspaper advertising they've taken out this morning. I mean, they have a complete full page taken up, full page of this ad. Uh, in this morning's examiner and in all the other newspapers as well. So they can't add any surcharges onto the, uh, onto the fare for a card payment and they must give you the legal taxi receipt from the taxi, the taxi meter itself. Now, costs go up and rightly so because taxi drivers deserve an increase. Fuel has gone up. They haven't got an increase in years. Uh, so from 1st of September, fares will also go up by 12%. But from the 1st of September, I don't know what you do if they still refuse, but I imagine they won't because from the 1st September they will abide by the law and every taxi in Ireland must take a credit or a debit card. Um, the guards make many of the papers this morning. Sadly and unfortunately, they did research in Limerick and Dublin uh, with uh, sex workers um, and it's uh, shocking to hear that um, of the 25 sex workers that they actually spoke to in Limerick and Dublin, they said that um, they are being sexually exploited by some guardie, um, and uh, they are abusing their powers, they're saying, uh, members of Mangarda Shikona, and indeed they don't trust the guards. Meanwhile, the guards are giving a warning. One of the latest types of uh, th- thievery and uh, robbery now involves um, your fuel tank being emptied. By all accounts, fuel thieves are now using spotters to follow delivery trucks. So they followed the delivery trucks to the homes that have just had their uh, storage tanks filled with oil. And then when the truck goes away, because of the cost of oil, of course, it's, um, uh, it's big, good money and big money for the thieves who then sell it on. Uh, and then they go in and they actually uh, just siphon out all of, the, uh, all of the, the fuel. But apparently they're, they're using homes with... The, apparently they're going around. The vehicles follow the oil tankers identify the homes, uh, and then use silent electric motors to siphon the fuel from the tanks within within minutes. Really high-powered motors that you won't hear, and the tank is gone within seconds. And with the increases in home heating oil, of course, there's big money to be made in it. And Guardia are warning uh, people. Um, and what are you going to do? Like, I mean, you, you might not even be in the house when the tank is being filled. But the elderly themselves are said to be uh, petrified, terrified about being targeted by criminal gangs, and more so than ever now after the aggravated burglary of the elderly woman in uh, County Roscommon. Uh, the Una Farrell story with the two sons, both of them tied up by masked raiders and the house ransacked. Uh, and another related and in lighter news, I suppose, uh, in the changing world we live in, I see that the mail this morning is uh, saying that many people have been wondering, everybody's been asking, no, really, everybody's been asking uh, as to why there was no tiara in the Rose of Tralee. Radio Kerry picked up on that story and the Mail have it this morning because the Rose of Tralee winner, Rachel Duffy, says she doesn't need a tiara to feel special. Viewers have been questioning why the headwear is gone. Uh, she says it's not about fancy jewellery. She says it's about 
female empowerment. Apparently, by all accounts, the organisers decided to do away with the tiara for the first time ever when they say they surveyed the public and found that viewers wanted the contest to move with the times and away from pageantry. So if you were wondering where the tiara is gone, that's the reason why. If you're also wondering why teenagers sleep way more than perhaps they should, uh, there's research to back it up. So the ones that lays in bed all day and drive their parents insane are those who love the long lions are actually doing themselves a power of good, apparently. Because the mail this morning says that teenagers who get under eight hours a night are more likely to be obese. Or as they say in this morning's mail, fat the F word, the F-A-T word that people get so upset every time I use. Uh, so anyway, that's the story with regards to teens. If your one loves the bed, then you understand why. In fact, they also talk about uh, healthy options. You know how, you know, we all for, for years would walk or we'd cycle bikes and may, you know maybe bikes are making a return now. Electric bikes came in and now e-scooters. But there is uh, a warning this morning in The Independent that um, the popularity, according to an obesity expert, that the popularity of e-scooters is an another nail in the coffin of exercising and getting out there and just walking or jogging or running and that we have less and less healthy options now and that e-scooters are bad news when it comes to people trying to stay fit because we don't get to exercise or pound the pavements and finally I don't know how you are with passwords my head is wrecked from them um, really and truly absolutely wrecked because over the years of course all sorts of things have changed with regards to passwords and uh, I must have half a dozen of them all sorts of different combinations and maybe I'm not the only one but they give the top 10 most common passwords in the mail this morning and apparently the most common one is one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, would you be bothered? The second most common one is the word password. And the third, Liverpool. (laughs) There are lots of other combinations of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and stuff like that. But I can't understand why one, two, three, four, five, six, because no password is acceptable like that now anymore. All passwords now have to have a capital, a small, numbers, and asterisks, don't they? I mean, you just can't have a box standard with, they won't be accepted like that anymore they are just so complicated but I'd love somebody to explain to me what I was reading this morning about a password manager apparently a password manager will do all of this stuff for you online and there's no drama and no grief whatsoever I want one of them can anybody help? yeah I feel like um, I feel like as a as a generation what am I a generation X I have to be the one to jump in here and kind of give you a bit of advice on this we're supposed, ageism, to, be te- ageism, we're supposed to be the tech ageism. experts I know, I know you're I know. the technical generation I want a password manager so a password manager essentially is uh, something that you can get that will generate a unique password and store that unique password for you so basically everything's held in the password manager and that's protected that's better protected by security so it keeps generating new passwords for you and then re-entering those passwords in for you so it's kind of like it's a much safer way because you don't have a password it kind of keeps regenerating passwords but what about all of the places that I already have previous passwords yeah it'll it'll kind of like it'll override those those? No, no, it'll over, it'll it'll store those passwords for you, and then will automatically enter them for you when you enter the website. Because I bet there's but a lot need... of people have to constantly go back to the source and say, "I need a new password. Oh, I can't uh, need a." But any time, and, and actually, funnily, the thing is now, what's happening now is that because you know you can store your passwords with Google. Um, if you get a new phone or if you get a, in your case you got a new phone recently yeah. like you're trying to remember a password that you set for yourself and haven't re-entered in like a like Sky password years. 
15 years old yeah. I can't remember what that was <laughs> do you not have um, something like that on your new swanky phone because on my bog standard one um, it remembers all my passwords it harvests them for me and I just use my fingerprint and pick the email That's address that it was attached to. You're way too advanced for <laughs> me. I lost you. I lost you at fingerprint. <laughs> but definitely the password managers are like it's inc- all those passwords are encrypted. Um, there's an extra layer of security over them. So basically, it will generate uh, a unique password. So instead of you losing like in this case Liverpool or anywhere else I know Claire's just messaged us in here to say why don't you just write them down but sure if you no, write them down to somebody's going to come across them, them. Like, yeah, find them. this thing now gives you a password that is totally random like it has all sorts of kind of characters so how do you get this thing? Um, you can buy them uh, you can pick them up there's uh, there's Bitwarden I think is a free one there's LastPass there's kind of all these different password managers and you pay a fee of, for a year uh, for most of them and they will generate and then store those passwords for like you. Like, for instance, I've, yesterday now my Virgin broadband bill came in. Mm. 72 euro. Insane amount of money for broadband. I think we all agree. Crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Not, I don't know how that happened. Well, I'm on... F- I'm on the same and I'm on 40 a month okay so I don't, I don't I don't get TV I don't no, get no this phone. is just broadband just broadband, 850 yeah. euro a year just for broadband and then and I said god know. almighty that's nuts mm. so I said I gotta go in and get out of Virgin or get someone else to. so I tried to get into my bill and I didn't have I couldn't remember the password yeah these sometimes the easiest things just to go down to the shop I think go go back to the basics like when I got where's my the Virgin. cheapest broadband now well oh. Sky is it yeah, uh, I, they're all they'll all they'll all pit themselves against each other. I, like uh, broadband's a bit like insurance. You almost need to ring a crowd, get a price, ring another crowd, quote the original price, yeah, get all that. And down, I noticed you know? as well that they give you very cheap broadband for the first twelve months, and after mm. twelve months, it probably skyrockets. Then, but mine mine is a twelve month contract, so I'm getting my forty quid. And if I don't get forty quid to come next year, I'm gone. Ah, uh, yeah, I, and the, I need to. But the the, the 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 um just going back to um like phone and internet and TV and stuff like. You're obviously you're a fan of the tennis. I'm a fan of football. If you were to actually look at how much it costs to watch every single sporting event you want now, it's you've got Sky, it's Prime, you've got Prime, you've got um, BT Sport, you've got Premier Sports, you've got you Insane. know, yeah. it's nuts, yeah. it's Insane. absolutely crazy. I think we totted it up one day inside work and we were trying to figure out if we were to put everything together. I think it's about 130 or 140 quid a month. Just to watch all the Premier League games. Insane. Just sport alone. Just, just Premier League. Insane. To watch Liverpool against Man United the other night. We won't say any more than that. <laughs> Lines open. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Getting it off your chest is right. Uh, texts on yesterday's programme with regards to landlords, rent, housing and Robert Troy. I have no time for most of our politicians, but I don't see any problem with them owning rental properties. You're going on about Troy receiving HAP, but surely that means he's legit, surely. And in fact, helping tenants who cannot afford the rent levels without state assistance. A morning, Noel O'Flynn built an empire, empire when he was a TD. He had businesses, warehouses. Uh, nobody found anything wrong with that. That's just how it works. Sorry, the texture says they're all at it and they know how it works. Uh, Robert Troy TD only had to explain his property portfolio when it was found out that he didn't declare it. 
Um, simple as. It's clear that Billy Keller and all in Fianna Fáil are completely out of touch with the people they claim to represent. Morning. Landlords are descendants of the people who ran the English landlords out of Ireland. They just replaced them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that you'd be down on landlords as such. I mean, what would happen without landlords and rental properties? As long as people keep voting for convicted crooks, things will never change, says Frank. I find it disgusting listening to the amount of properties owned by TDs and using a state instrument to make a profit. While on the other hand, you mentioned earlier that the mother of Santina Cawley's facing been put out on the streets. Bridget, yes she is. It just shows the different worlds we live in. TDs with all these properties are the kings and queens of greed and avarice. Uh, morning, that fellow who said if you own property you can leave it empty as long as you like because you own it. It sounds like he was told never to share anything when he was growing up. What kind of human leaves housing estates empty? knowing the amount of people that would give their right hand for a house. And one final one, one of the main reasons that we've inflated rental prices because it's the likes of the TD having 11 rental properties. The whole system is linked. They drive up the cost of rent by supporting it through HAP payments. I just sold a rental property in Dublin and the estate agent laughed at me because I kept the rent at €1,250. When I explained I always kept the rent at an honest, fair price, he said, sure the HAP pays for it. But in all reality, who pays for HAP? We do, the people. We're being screwed by these privileged big business people who don't care if rents are inflated because all of their tenants are receiving HAP. Oh, and big business does not pay tax on rental properties. It's a total scam that causes homelessness and destroys this country. And that's just a selection. The elephant in the room here, rehousing and health, is the EU imposing population increases on us over many years. Regulation by them is very favourable. I don't know what you mean by imposing population increases. Are you talking about migration and immigration? I suppose you are. Uh, Just one point in relation to the 80 politicians who are landlords. This could potentially mean that 80 to 100 families, or maybe single people, have actually somewhere to stay. What's so wrong with that? If they all decided to sell... Uh, so as not to have a conflict of interest, then that we would just be adding to more homelessness. It's a double-edged sword. So thank you for those who come back to them throughout the course of the morning. Seamus Whelan joins me in the studio because yesterday, uh, he took to the streets of Cork yesterday morning. Um, an interesting day on Leaside yesterday, Seamus, because yesterday was the day when uh, social welfare payments were made to people with disabilities. So these would be disability payments yesterday. Yes, um, you may remember last year I went to um, McCurtain Street on a Monday with the uh, campaigner for the homeless, um, Bernard O'Hare. Yeah. And we saw quite a lot of activity around uh, McCurtain Street on that Monday last year when the uh, a lot of the homeless were collecting their social welfare. From the were, post office. From the post office, yeah. who I must say, um, they're doing their job. They've nothing to do with what we're about to discuss. Um, but there was a lot of deals going down there. And uh, I When said you I, say deals now, we're clearly talking about people who are making, getting welfare payments and then handing them over to drug dealers who they have debts to or they're buying bags of heroin. Exactly. Yeah. So I was on to Bernard during the week and I said, look, we need to revisit this to see has anything really changed since we went out. 12 months ago. Right. So um, we went out yesterday on Disability Day, uh, which they, they, it's 212 euros is the, uh, the payment um, for disability. And we arrived on uh, McCurtain Street at half eight yesterday morning. Um, four dealers 
came up from Marion's Bridge and stood there at the top of, I think it's Beasley Street. Yes, it is. By the um, side of the uh, Metropole. The Metropole Hotel, exactly. Um, they were seen handing over um, the social security cards to, um, there was about 12 um, people from the homeless community collecting their social, their disability yesterday morning. Right. Um, the cards were handed over to them. By they, the dealers. The dealers the hold dealers. their cards. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they then went in, got their money, they came out, and then there was dealing done between these four individuals. Um, there, there was heroin on sale yesterday, there was crack cocaine, and there were also tablets. Um, and the, the misfortunate homeless people who are addicts give their cards back to the dealers. Yes. Um, they probably owe the dealers money. The dealers hold the cards. Um, but they not only give the dealers back their cards, they give them money as well. They take the money and... O- and much of it? All of it? Mo- it, it? Quite possibly all of it. I've been told, like Bernard was telling me that there are some people that are on disability are, well... If you're on disability, you're you're in a vulnerable minority. But like the one or two, uh, maybe very vulnerable and and don't have a lot of kind of social skills. Um, the dealers would charge them maybe two or three times the amount that they would charge maybe somebody else. So could it be that they would give the whole two hundred and twelve euro of their welfare payment, their disability payment, to the dealer who would take all of the money? And then um, supply them with heroin across the week. Well, not across. Uh, well, not across the week, but uh, that like they may have a debt or or like they, they may, may owe money. May owe money. Okay. Like I'm being told that if you go down there this morning, you will see exactly the same thing uh, occurring on McCurtain Street and also at at the GPO. Now we went. We left McCurtain Street where there was about twelve individuals uh, d- uh, dealing with these four guys. Um, we went, uh, there was no guardian in the area. We went down to the GPO and it was a, it was a worst case down there where there was about at least 15 to 20 more collecting their disability and there were more dealers down there, about five or six I counted. Mm. Um, in plain view, you could see, it was odyssey. It was, a, it was very apparent what was going oh, on. Oh yes, okay. to- totally. Because you could even hear them kind of, bar- the, the the dealers trying to, trying to get trade from, from these uh, saying that, look. Mine's um, better than his. Mine's got ma- more in the mine's bag. Mine's got more. Uh, mine's better quality. Better quality, exactly. And you could clearly okay. hear it. Okay. Uh, down around the GPO. Um, we walked up um, from the GPO at the top of Winthrop Street to do our piece to, to Mike because we didn't feel safe down there. Okay. Um, now, I walked around uh, the city a few times to try and talk to those who actually got their, um, the, who who got their, their, their drugs, their tablets from, from these dealers. But a lot of the dealers were kind of sticking to them like glue because... Uh, they're basically a cash cow for them. Uh, we went down around the Simon community where we went last year and where we got to speak to one of the uh, the uh, so-called dealers and and also, well, he denied he was a dealer at well, the time. Well, they will do. I mean, um, but, but he was clearly seen helping people shoot up in the in the doorways at the time. So we went back down to see if we could talk to somebody, but there appears that there may have been um, a medical episode 
uh, down in the Simon community because the ambulance was there at the time. Um, the security for the uh, the Simon community arrived and a security guy w- went in to the facility. So they there would have been too many eyes around there. So a lot of them went away. So... Um, uh, basically, we we spoke then to one of the business owners on on uh, McCartan Street and spoke to one of, one punter that okay. that sees this unfold every, every day okay. or every Wednesday. So I, I think you might have some audio there. Okay, social welfare is paying thousands of euro weekly in disability benefits to um, people with drink problems and drug addiction issues in the city. This report starts, and they then, of course, in turn, give it over to drug dealers. This starts on, on McCartan Street, right? On McCartan Street yesterday morning at half eight. Appreciate that. Have a listen to this. Let's change things, and you can see that with your own two eyes here. Um, what makes it more sad is that this is a Wednesday, and this is Disability Day, which makes the situation even, that even more tragic because they're taking advantage. Like they're obviously, they're always, like they're always taking advantage of addicts. But what they're doing here now is there's people suffering with mental health and different mental health conditions. And as you as you can see here now yourself, and you were with me the last time, nothing has changed. As I said, what makes it worse this time is Disability Day. And no guard or presence whatsoever, and it's a known spot for this to be carrying on. Like so many of the other spots around Cork, and like the spot where, not too far from where I live, there's never a guard or presence yet. It is probably the number one hub for buying drugs through the homeless community, and not saying everyone is on it, but you know what I mean. And same with this McCartan Street, and down towards the other GPO, two of the hottest spots for it, and... There's more delivery drivers than there is guards. There's actually no guards around. You can see that yourself, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it, it's kind of a, a busy Wednesday morning here with uh, people just coming and going to, to work about 10 to 9 in the morning. Yeah. And uh, the queue is starting across the, across the road. And it's kind of going, like business goes on as normal here. But uh, this is happening. Yeah, oh yeah, listen, there's, uh, as you said, there's people coming and going to work, there's businesses, obviously, in this area, and they're the ones that suffer too, you know, they can see it day in, day out. I mean, it's not me stirring the pot or acting, but you can ask any business on the street how bad of a condition it is on Dole Mornings, but especially on, as I said, Disability Day, and there's nowhere, no, nowhere to be seen. Sorry, sir, uh, you come here on a regular basis? I do every Wednesday morning, and that carry-on goes on, heroin dealing, over by the gold rush. And, like, is it a constant, are there many people that would be coming here on a Wednesday to get their disability? The most of the time that we did would be on it, like. And how does that feel to you as a taxpayer that your money is going on heroin and other drugs? Bad bad, they could be destroyed locked up, thrown away the keys. And do you ever see a guard of presence on this street? No, no, never did. Do you think they're aware of what's happening? They do. So you see them there, there's about 12 of them there waiting. They're all getting their bag and they're dying on the streets then. They don't know what they're injecting or doing. Yeah, because I saw that there was, what, there's one, two, three, four four dealers there now at this that's stage. That's right, that's right. And yeah. um, they they came up from Mary Ellen's Bridge, that's they handed over their ID. That's right. Went in and got their, their uh, disability. Yeah. And, and handed the disability pay, payment over. Paid over to the drug dealers. That's what they do. Willie, you're the owner of uh, Spar here on McCurtain Street. The one thing that I would have noticed, and I'm not too sure is it COVID-related or not, there's... Uh, 
and I think some of my colleagues are, you know, in similar businesses would experience the same thing, that people maybe have become more arrogant or aggressive. Like, uh, I sometimes wonder about, you know, my own people here, like, they're great people to put up with because, like, people who are off their heads, like, can be very abusive, mm. you know, threatening, uh, loud, aggressive, uh, and that's not fair on people who go to work. It really isn't fair, and it's, it's totally unacceptable. But it is becoming more and more apparent. And does that then have an effect on your business? Are you seeing you know, less people it, come in? It, uh, but what it has an effect on is like when an aggravated situation takes takes place here, which has happened at times. Uh, people maybe are afraid to go in or go out. The other thing is that the reputation of the business is damaged because people say, "Oh God, that's a dangerous place to go." Uh, because we're a convenience shop, we're open to like once we open the doors in the morning, we're open from the very youngest to the oldest from the saint to the sinner so therefore we're more prone to seeing people maybe who are in not so good circumstances not maybe mentally feeling well and therefore you know they tend to take it out on us around the staff which which is wrong and that definitely is something we're seeing more of definitely and the loudness and the aggression I know it's happened to me twice this year but it I'm here 20 years last May, 28th of May, I was 20 years here, and I got hit twice this year. In one case, which never happened to me, um, I almost hit the ground, knowing that I happened to catch a basket uh, with containing uh, snacks. Mm-hmm. I happened to catch the basket before I hit the ground, but actually the woman levelled me. Um, that situation lasted for about 20 minutes, of which time that the people would neither go in or go out. Uh, the person stood in the door shouting, roaring, you know, saying, I wanted food, you know, you shop, I want food, you know, I'm homeless, whatever the case may be. But at the same time, the person was completely and utterly stoned out of their mind from alcohol, actually, to vodka in this, this situation. Mm-hmm. I suppose I'm glad to have this opportunity to communicate because over the years I've got to know many of the people, maybe, who sit on the street to collect money. And I probably it's probably a little bugbear of mine. Many of us, when we go into town and we see someone sitting in the street, we kind of feel, you know, oh, they're homeless, they're down and out, we, you know, we should give them money. Which is a noble cause and a great idea and a nice thing to do. But are people aware that many of the people who sit on the street actually are looking for money to feed their addiction? Yeah. And it was a very sad case of a guy who I know, who I knew, I should say, really? uh, here about three weeks ago, three months ago, and he, I met him actually sitting, I knew him from sitting outside the door. I'm not going to mention his name, mm-hmm. so I knew him on a personal basis and would have spoken to him on several occasions. I saw him on a Friday um, sitting outside Debenhams collecting. And that was Friday and I said hello to him and we just exchanged hello to each other. And on Sunday evening I got a message from someone uh, with his picture saying that he had died the previous day. Um, on the Friday night he had overdosed on heroin and died. So you may have been the last person he spoke to? Quite possibly, but I'm not blaming or accusing anybody, any individual in the least, but I sometimes, what has gone through my head several times since, was that when, we're calling James for the want of a better name, um, was sitting in the street, and that anyone who contributed to him that day, did they, with their good intention, by default, contribute to him, acquiring heroin, to overdose that night, he's now... He was 42 years of age, and he's now six foot under. The reality is that the prison enough Gardaí, I was speaking to someone recently who had worked in London, and there's a population of about six or seven million in people in London. They have 28,000 capacity um, police, 
we have 14,000 divided over the whole country. Yeah. The reality is there isn't enough police on the ground. So I'm not blaming them. The easy thing to do is blame them. The presence does make a difference. It makes a huge difference. You know, the fact that just people, we automatically feel safer by knowing or seeing the presence of the guardie walking the streets. Bernard, we're just here at the top of Winthrop Street because we were down in the GPO and uh, there was quite a lot of dealing going on down there so we had to move away for our own safety and to be able to record this piece. So can you explain exactly what was going on down there? Well if you thought what you've seen there up in McCartan Street was bad, I never expected it to be as that busy down there. There's so many different people, and I overheard myself, about uh, waiting for gear, wait, as in heroin, waiting for tablets, and those people giving off about the size of this bag and that bag, and again, it's disability morning, so, uh, like I said before, they're preying on people, sick people, like, you know, yeah. and I know, like, obviously, on the other dull days, where they're preying them, but it's extra hard on days, day, to see it on days like this. Like, you've seen it yourself there now, there was upwards of 15 to 20 people. And one of those was just out of prison as well, so they were trying to get him back into the whole loop again. Yeah, and I noticed one girl there that was clean and sober for a lot of years, done a lot of great work but not, uh, in the city, but now she's back She's back on it again. That's the dangers of it. You know yourself, you, you, could, see, you could see them at 9 o'clock, and you might hear about them at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock OD in somewhere. I mean, the level... The level of competition for gear selling, like you heard it there yourself, that it was, oh, I've just, I've the best bag, no, I've the best bag. This bag is big, that one is small, and it's, it's tragic. And yet again, not a guard of presence in sight. No, no, and not well. There's nothing funny about it, but yeah, again, again like the other spot. And and you know what? With the amount of people that are dying on the street and have been dying on the Cork City streets for a number of years, and I actually feel so sad. Obviously for the addict, but for the families of the addicts, because again, there's not, there's no guard of presence. They're nowhere to be seen. I mean, I know I keep saying it, but you see it yourself, Seamus. There's not one around. I know, but oh. maybe it's because they're overstretched. Uh, there's not enough of them. Or the fact that they don't care about them. Because again, we were here, we visited this 12 months ago, and if you remember, uh, anywhere we were recording, there was no guards as well. And you've seen the crowds that have been around. So, but like recently, we had the ex Lord Mayor, Colm Kelleher, on the radio saying that he's looking to meet with the Guard Commissioner, Drew Harris, to get more guards on the beat mm. in Cork because they're not physically there, there's not enough of them there. Yeah. And this is the proof of it because mm. we've seen the open dealing in the street. I like I like what Colin Kelleher stood for because he knows what he was talking about. He came from personal experiences, you know, with his own brother as he was open about. And you know, if they're not listening to the Lord Mayor, then what chance are they gonna have listening to anyone else? And Drew, I'm sorry, right, but outside of Dublin, like Cork is getting worse and worse. And the fact that Drew Harris hasn't even come to visit Cork or even find out what's going on because the amount of deaths through homelessness, through addiction on the street it's not it's half the time it's not even reported anymore you know there's deaths happening there of Seamus all the time and it's just you don't hear about it and they're trying to hide the problem and it's not about saying that like they're trying to put a bad mark on Cork City but if nothing changes if nothing changes and people will continue to die and people will continue to suffer I've continued to see it uh, mm. like when I'm out and about during the day the, the open dealing yeah it doesn't give much hope for the families, as I said, and the businesses that are out there suffering, but the families as well. There's just, 
it's, a, it's, it's almost like a banded country really isn't it James Whelan on the streets of Cork yesterday with Bernard O'Hare the homeless campaigner and you see it worst of all at the times when uh, social welfare payments are being made it's particularly evil and nasty to be taking money from people who have uh, disabilities and are getting the money uh, from social welfare uh, under disability uh, payments and then to give it over to drug dealers. Willie in the spa was saying uh, people need to realise that you should not give money to people who are tapping on the streets uh, because all too often, of course, it is to feed a very serious uh, drug habit or addiction and that could well be heroin. Text 0868104106. Please don't give out my details, but my sister is a heroin addict. Uh, her children have been removed and she is still entitled to her full social welfare payment and her children's allowance for three children that she doesn't even have in care. She has low income housing, free travel and is on disability because of her addiction. Mother's entitled to their full payments for six months after the children go. But it's appalling. By the time she gets the kids back, it's always before the six months so she's never without the money. Uh, welfare should be reduced, uh, but uh, um, but then it should be taken away if there's crimes, because taking and feeding habits should be a crime, so we will never win. Well, you know, I know what you're saying with regards to that text, but people are entitled to welfare payments if they're not in a position to work. Or in, in the case of yesterday, um, people who are unwell, whether mentally or physically, you can get a disability payment for it. But they're preyed upon by dealers who hold uh, their social welfare and their cards. Um, decriminalize the drug use, provide a safe and regulated avenue for people who use drugs to get their drugs of choice. You will then remove that criminal gang from the picture with proper drug policies. Morning, Neil. Unfortunately, substance abuse and the consequences are becoming normalized and acceptable in society within the politically correct world. Yeah, I suppose we just are so used to it now that everybody sees it and nobody takes any notice of it until we and the courts implement harsher penalties or proven Eastern controls, as in Russia, the Far East or even Singapore, we will never succeed. We will have anarchy on the streets with the major daily incidents being reported. Uh, one or two more, uh, Garda require more controls to enable them to police the streets and less of the PC brigade defending the criminals. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, unfortunately, Willie said it there, we have something in the region of uh, 14,000 members of Angardi Shakrana across the entire republic. Not all of those are ever actually on active duty, obviously, at any one time, because the shift related and more are caught up with admin and uh, a lot more even caught up then with court time. Uh, yes, well, actually, this is recently, I have this text a couple of days, I was walking home, heading up Sunday's well to the steps that bring you out onto Blarney Street. I witnessed a young, respectable girl, no more than 19 or 20, shooting up. She was, uh, she's no younger than a child. I just didn't know what to do as she had a look of pain trying to get the needle in. What I wanted to do was to kick the damn needle away and stop her, but I knew she would always turn around and put it to my neck or maybe any part of my body. But it was the look on her face that stayed with me. I carried on and still wondered, do I go back until I saw two young male unsavory characters going down? I just pray that she'll be okay. Maybe I should have intervened, but possibly it might have been a different scenario today. Uh, that was someone's daughter, sister and another statistic eventually. 19-year-old uh, shooting up on a lane uh, by Blarney Street. I'd like to remain anonymous, but recently myself and my girlfriend were walking through town, decided we'd take what you'd call a shortcut through an alleyway 
only to find what I'm going to show you with the pictures. And I was sent pictures with this as well of drug paraphernalia. I don't agree with any centres or businesses giving free needles, free condoms, free everything to drug dealers or drug addicts, uh, sorry, drug addicts, and providing needle bins for heroin addicts. Giving druggies free medication from doctors, handing, it was like handing out smarties. They end up selling them to other people and then in the end, killing them or themselves. I don't agree with any drug addict getting any payment for free either because they're homeless. I had no job for two weeks at the start of May and I had to fight to get 100 euro off social welfare. And at that, they hated giving it to me while I was looking for a job after moving out of home. But drug addicts with no address or a homeless shelter address get 206 euro a week and are still begging people for money on the streets for drugs and begging elderly people. What kind of a world are we living in? They should get no money unless they're in a course, find a job or get clean. This is ridiculous, carry on. You can't walk down a street or an alleyway without finding needles and blood everywhere. Like I said, no details, please, but I hope you get to read this out on air. Thank you for those. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. Earlier in the week, uh, Corkman Derek Bly uh, videoed himself and posted the video up online of himself entering the Ukrainian hub on Merchant's Quay uh, on Monday. Uh, when he went in there, he uh, took a hat and gloves Uh, for one of his children. Uh, He went into the hub because he believed that it was being racist because the hub excludes Irish citizens and others struggling to make ends meet. The hub is set up, or at least was set up, uh, for Ukrainians where they could avail of uh, free clothing and free footwear and stuff like that. This is just just a 60-second clip of um, a lengthier video that uh, Derek posted Online uh, during that visit to Merchants Key to the Ukrainian hub. Have a listen. Folks, we're here in a Merchants Key shopping center in Cork. Um, the Ukrainian only free charity shop. Well, I've just taken a, a lovely woolly hat and gloves uh, for my child because you know the evenings are getting colder and uh, you can. You can see it there at the bottom, and all this is absolutely free. Well, if it's free for them, then it's free for Irish people too. So um, the security guards have just called the management. They don't seem too bothered about whether I leave or not. Uh, but I just want to clear up with the management first. I've told them they can take my name and details and pass them on to the guards if they want. I've no problem whatsoever in dealing with the guards. But I'm leaving this shopping centre with this because I'm an Irish citizen in this country and what I see inside that shop is absolutely wrong. Okay, so that's just a clip of what he posted online. Now, subsequent to that, I actually caught up and had a chat and a conversation with Derek on Tuesday night. Unbeknownst since then, um, the actual hub has closed. Uh, The Ukrainian hub outlet in Merchinsky has been closed Management now need to seek legal advice on how they operate the hub. Uh, the centre's head of security tells us that uh, following the concerns raised by Mr. Bly, a legal interpretation is needed as the hub is operating differently to a charity shop because it provides free service only to those fleeing war. So it's different to a charity shop. 
uh, where money changes hands. So after the intervention of the concerns of Derek Bly, they were obliged to actually close uh, the hub. So I wouldn't have been aware of that. I don't know whether he was, but certainly when I was chatting with him on Tuesday night, I wasn't aware that it subsequently had to be closed following his visit. But I did chat with him. Derek Bly, good morning. Morning, Neil. Thanks for taking the call. We uh, came across a, a video of you recently going into uh, a Ukrainian shop, which was a shop set up for Ukrainians to give them, f- f- you know, free clothing and, and things like that to help them because they've come over here from war and looking for refuge. A- and you had an issue with that. Is that right? That's right, Jeff. As far as I'm concerned, the policy is uh, it's racist, discriminatory, morally wrong. They're offering free goods, but only to Ukrainians. Okay, okay. So it's discriminatory to non-Ukrainians, and doesn't sit right with me. Okay, in the sense that it should be for all people, like Irish people, Syrians, Nigerians, everybody, well, is it? Ab- ab- absolutely. In in normal times, Neil, this might be acceptable, but. In current times, when we're going into or we're in the the worst housing crisis in the history of the state, we're fa- we're facing massive poverty here in this state in the next few months. We've got we've got a a fuel shortage, we've got an energy crisis, we've got a healthcare crisis, we've got an education crisis. To offer free goods to one group of people is absolutely yeah, but you 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 know they came with the clothes on their back. You you know they came with well, know, the, the suitcases no, right, that they could gather debate. all their stuff to leave Ukraine at the time. That's they were being debate, bombed yeah. by Russians. In what way? Mm. Uh, how is it built yeah. for debate? Um, the war has been right in the, in the far east of the country for almost nine years now. Right, a place called the Donbass. Okay, the Ukrainian military have been bombing their own people, right, for eight years. Yeah. Right, but we decided to intervene and open up our borders to an unlimited number of Ukrainians when Russia right, intervened in it. Okay, so um, you're, so you're pro-Russian uh, then? Are you? You're pro the invasion no, of Ukraine? No, I'm not. No, you know what I am, right? I'm pro-Irish. I'm pro-Irish. Okay, but when right? people and are being when people are being bombed by missiles and and and, and guns and, you know and the what? Russian army coming across um, their border. Not in so Kiev, weird. not in Kiev, they're not. Not in Lviv, they're not. Not in Odessa, they're not. The rest of the country is open for business. Okay. So why why would they come in, here? I mean, do do you know how many Ukra- Ukrainians have come here, for instance? Yeah, it's about it's about fifty thousand at the moment. Yeah, yeah, you're not far off. About fifty two thousand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. why would fifty two thousand Ukrainians want to leave their home, leave their houses, leave their jobs, leave schools? To come over here, well, like this, we're a country that's already you, in crisis. Yeah, you have to look at what the average Ukrainian salary is there, right? And then look what the welfare payments are here, and look what benefits there are to being Ukrainian in this country. Okay, and you could probably answer that question yourself. So I come here for two hundred and eight um, euro a week. Is that leave my own country? Yeah. Really? Yeah, 800 quid a month. Free bed, free board, free food, free travel, free clothes, free phones, free anything they want. I actually heard, right, and it's anecdotal, 
I can't confirm it yet, but Ukrainian students are being offered higher Susie grants than Irish students, right? Yeah. No, for those that don't know what Susie grants are, it's a grant that you get when you're going to college. But you don't know right? that Apparently, to be you don't know that to be true. Like, do you I know? Don't what, know that to be true. Do you know? Do you know? What the, but do you know what the Susie grant is? Do you know how yeah, much? Do you know how much it is? Three and a half thousand right, for Irish people. Okay. Now, how much is it for yeah, a Ukrainian? Uh, you claim. Six thousand is what I'm hearing. You're hearing from what members of the from, Nationalist Party or who? From a civil from a civil servant in the education uh, sector. Okay. You, you, you know when you bring up issues like that, where you make a claim mm. like that, it, it leads me to yep. your social media platforms, and I understand right. that, like, I, because I've studied your. Your, your comments and your videos and stuff like that today. I have looked at that in quite some detail. And, and you, there's a lot of people who support what you feel that Irish should be for the Irish and not for other people. We have enough people it should, it should. Uh, going on. But hang on a second. You, you also made a recent claim that Ukrainians are driving Porsches, Mercedes, yeah. Benz, that they get mm-hmm. free everything. They just have to show their U- Ukrainian passport do you really believe that somebody shows their Ukrainian passport, somebody's going to give them a free Porsche? No, you don't get a free Porsche for flashing your Ukrainian passport. But you, said, but, but you said that in the same sentence on a video that no, you put no, on, no. online. You said, driving Porsches, right. Mercedes, everything for free, just flash your Ukrainian passport. That's what you said. <laughs> right. You don't, you don't get a Porsche for free from the state or for flashing your Ukrainian passport. But how is a Ukrainian refugee driving... No, I mean, I'm just picking up on a video that you posted online. You said they are driving Porsches and Mercedes. It's Mm -hmm. my responsibility to tackle you with comments like that. Yeah, good, good, good. I wish you tackled other uh, problems in our society as vigorously as you tackle what I say. Uh, people are messaging me right, on a daily basis. Right, I'm being told that Ukrainians who came here right, as refugees mm-hmm. are now starting to take trips back to Ukraine with having stopovers in Italy, Germany, just for tourism. For, um, for tourism, as in they're heading to Spain so, for their summer holidays, is it? Stopping in Italy and I spoke to one lady, right, who spoke to a Ukrainian family who had just returned from Ukraine for holidays, but they stopped over in Italy and Germany for sightseeing because the benefits are so fantastic in this country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but 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 just on that point, because yeah. many people viewed mm. that video. There's no Ukrainian war refugee driving a Porsche or a Mercedes. I hate to labour the point, but how do you know that? How do you know that? No, I don't have to confirm that. No, but I I don't have to confirm it, and I don't have to know it. You said it. All right. So, if I send you a photograph of a Ukrainian Porsche, right, or Mercedes, will you post that on your show? Let me just post that on your Twitter page. But if if a, because I'm willing to do that if if you will agree to post it if 
You see, that's the crazy online world that you talk about. That would only oh, be possible. the crazy online world again. That would only... Be, well, it can be quite, quite crazy in, in the sense that... Absolutely, how, you have... To, how would I be able to prove... That, how would I be able to prove that a Ukrainian refugee, which you said, came here from war-torn Ukraine, Ukraine because the Russians came across their border and bombed them and killed loads and loads of people, right. was driving a Porsche right. in Ireland because somebody, when they flashed their passport, gave them one. That's what you said. No, I never, I never said. No, Neil, you're being silly now. There's a video, right, of a Ukrainian walking onto Dublin bus, right, and when he's asked for his ticket, he flashes his Ukrainian passport and gives the driver the finger, right, and walks on. So we already know that there are discounts and free goods being offered with only to Ukrainians in this country. Okay, and but that's why. Okay, that so that's why you went to Merchants Key to this to the shop, and you yes. you you yes. took some product some produce from. I think you took a, a, a woolly hat, was it? A hat and a pair of gloves. Okay. Yeah. And, I and, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, no, and nobody stopped you, incidentally. They they said, off you go. Well, no. No, I, I spoke to the girl at the checkout. If you watch the full video, it's on my YouTube channel. I spoke to the girl at the checkout. Seen I said, it, yeah. Um, seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, I have this hat. I have these gloves. Can I take them? She said, no. Right? I said, why not? She said, because you're not Ukrainian. I said, I'm taking these. Right? I then went and spoke to the security right, in a... Merchant and I told them if they had any problems whatsoever to take my details. But do you need do you need a woolly hat and gloves? Yeah, one of my kids will wear them. No okay. problem. But well. you're but you're working. No. You're you're a builder. You're you're involved in hey, construction. So are the Ukrainians working? You you don't need this. Like so, why why you do, why would you do it? The Ukrainians, right? They actually have more potential to earn money in this country than I do because they are allowed access to the workforce right? and they're also being given welfare and free housing. But do you, ha- but do you have a problem with people living here or coming here to, to work or to live or to raise children no. or make homes or you know, pay taxes? I, do you have an issue with, with the colour of people's skin or their... Absolutely not. Absolutely. And don't put words in my mouth, Neil. It's, it's no, these aren't words that I'm asking you. juvenile, actually. It's not juvenile. I'm asking you a question. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to debate with you if you want to take the time. Mm-hmm. Of course. Immigration, I believe, right, should be limited. Right? We've taken far too many people into this country. And the proof right, that we have taken far too many people into this country, all you have to do is look at the housing crisis. Okay, if we hadn't taken in so many people, right, we'd be able to house our own people, no problem at all. The housing crisis is not a supply issue; it's a demand issue. Do you want us okay? then to you- be kind of an isolated island on the west coast of Europe? I mean, we are part of Europe. We are an isolated. We are an isolated island, right? But the uh, the open borders policy that our government has pursued for decades now, right, is only causing damage. But why would you use, why would you use Ukrainians or in the past Syrians or in the past people from the African nations who have come here as the reason why we're in such bad shape? Why wouldn't you be turning your attention to successive governments over decades and decades who have failed us? 
I'm not turning my ire towards uh, people. This is absolutely the responsibility of the government, 100%. It's their policies right, have maintained an open-door policy no, that, in it, this country. I, I, I looked at I looked at what you were talking about online this afternoon, right. and you said right. multiculturalism is a dangerous experiment. That, that's what that's it what is. you said. I mean, why is it, it is dangerous, dangerous for people experiment. to be able to come here to start a life here, to raise their children here, send right. them to school here, and to work here and contribute amongst all of us in society? Why, why is that can such you, a danger to you in the alt right? You name for me one country that has successfully toiled multiculturalism peacefully long term. Just one country is what Every I want. single country in the world has done Name it. one. Name one. What, well, it depends what you mean by success. Name one. It, it depends what you mean by... Su- okay, well, l- let me answer the right. question. It right. depends what you mean okay. by successfully. Every single For continent has done it. No, absolutely, they have not. Yes, um, they have. Sweden, Sweden, for example, no, Neil, they have not. Sweden, for example, opened its doors right to one million migrants right in 2015. Right, it's now the rape capital of Europe. That, it's one of the most dangerous. It's one of the most dangerous countries in Europe. And are you basing? Are you basing? Attack. Okay, are you basing those yeah. allegations of rape and sexual assault and murder on the color of somebody's skin or their creed or their Absolutely background? Absolutely not. Not not the color of somebody's skin. But those rapes and murders weren't happening before the country ha- opened their borders in 2015. Okay. So you need to ask yourself why all of a sudden right, did rapes and murders skyrocket in Sweden? Okay, I I don't know well, for sure. I don't know for sure that they did. But you're co- a journalist, Neil. You're a journalist. You should right, you should be asking these questions. You should be trying to get to the bottom. Not at all. I, I, I don't have there, to. There I don't. Is, I don't have to defend uh, a statement that you make about Sweden. I, I certainly will check it subsequently. It's not a statement. It's a fact. It's a fact. Sweden. Sweden is the uh, number two highest rate. So on that that basis, is it that we should, you know, should we close our borders? Is that what you're saying? Right now we should. Right now we should, right, because we've taken too many. But So 52,000 Ukrainians in Ireland living, okay, you claim they're up to other activity, but from what I can see there, okay, so, so they're taking houses from Irish people. And you know something. But I get the what you're. I, I've been them. watching what you've been saying, and I've seen the response. And I, I understand, you know, why you're so angry about it. Because I'm not angry. People are I'm not people, angry. Well, what are you if you're not angry? I'm focused. Okay. Well, be focused. I'm I mean, focused I, I, I'm trying to be. I'm, I'm just, what I'm trying to say is, I see people responding to you and working with you online. Okay, I understand mm. that. Yeah. I, I've seen the responses, and the vast majority mm. of them people are saying Ireland first and housing for Ireland. We have nowhere to go. The hotels are full. You know. Uh, you know. Guest houses are full. I, I understand that, but your ire you is directed believe, in the wrong way. Yeah. Do you believe? Right, that Irish people should be held before Nigerians in Nigeria. Do you believe that Nigerians should be put out of their homes to hold Irish people in Nigeria? I can answer that for you, right? Because you're going to say no, absolutely not. 
And why is it okay for foreigners to get housing in this country before Irish people? June of this year saw the highest homeless numbers in history in this state. But I'm saying to you... But but, 3,000 children... Without homes I, I understand that. We have a, a million people on hospital waiting lists. 100,000 yes, of them are, yes. are, are, are And that's are, because are, of immigration also. I, I and that. a broken health care system. But, but you seem to pick and choose your narrative. You went on about killing Kinnegad and you went up there and yep. there was assaults yep. there and robberies and sexual mm-hmm. assaults and there you was. were blaming migrants for that. You went to McCroom Direct Provision yes, Centre and you filmed, a, exactly, you filmed yes. a woman that you, she didn't know she was being filmed. You went to Merchant's Key. You you know, you'd have rant at at the media, and like you'd have rant at me oh. and, and Red FM. And I, I didn't know who you are for engaging in fake news and muzzling opinion. I mean, it's all. But 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 that's what you it's said. I, I looked, I looked at your videos. You said you said that you won't forget it, and people shouldn't forget it. Like, wh- no, wh- like wh- are you are you just trying to drum up? Hatred. I mean, it, it reminds me of, no. of hatred that I saw with fascism and Nazism back in the day. You know, Stalinism, you know Hitlerism. Right. Do you know what fascism means, Neil? Well, for me, it's, historically, there was a lot right. of hatred attached to it. No, no. Fascism is a unity between government right, and private business. Okay. So, you know, the word fascism, right, to talk, to speak in terms of uh, skin colour, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But you are um, you are dictated by the colour of people's skin and where they come from, no, though, Derek. I'm dictated, I'm dictated, right, I'm dictated, right, by putting Irish people first in this country, right? We need to stop putting foreigners before our own people in this country. And, even, and in, me, even in the case of war... Or famine, me, or genocide, me, or genital mutilation, I, or rape I, in the country of their yeah. natural birth. I booked three restaurants in Kiev today for five p.m. for six people in very fancy restaurants. Three restaurants. You can book a hotel in any part of Ukraine. Didn't know there that. are thousands of yeah, there are thousands of hotels available at unbelievable prices in Ukraine. I didn't know you that. can book a fantastic restaurant now, right, in Ukraine. If but it's what? safe enough, if it's safe enough for, for me to go to a restaurant and I asked the waitress, I said, Are the streets safe? And she laughed. She said, Yes, they're absolutely safe. If it's safe enough for people to go to restaurants, bars, clubs, beaches in Ukraine, why then do we have to import hundreds of thousands of people potentially in the middle of the worst housing crisis in the history of this state? On the basis... Can you answer me that? On the basis... Well, I can attempt to. On the basis that, say, for instance, 52,000 Ukrainians that are here and it increases by the week, I will give you that on the basis that it's temporary and that they will go home. And then my issue, if you're asking me a direct question from the point of view of my own personal belief, is that you will incite hatred against women and children and people who are here from no, Ukraine, no. that somebody will actually hurt them. In. It's mostly men. It's mostly men Okay, well, back up that statement. Ukraine. for that. That's like another they're driving Porsche motor right. cars statement. Back that up. Right. I have got a story, right, about the break. Okay. There's a school in this country, right? A secondary school, right? It has a dormitory, 
okay? And several hundred refugees have been put into the school, all right? And the children, the teenage boys and girls are due back in a few days. The parents have all received emails saying, your school is no uh, a refugee center. And they expect, and it's full of men, all right? And I have it from a staff member in that school that these men right, are doing 50, 60 push-ups in a go. I have images of the men. They're all young men. Why are we taking young men from Ukraine that are able to do 50, 60 push-ups Right when they were supposed to stay behind, right, and fight the war. I don't know. I I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I I, 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 would, I, I would have right, to fact check that information. Publish it. You know, go to your fact checkers. I'm going to send you proof. You were called on. You were called proof. on Reddit. You, you, you're being categorized on Reddit as a white supremacist bigot. Well, look, Twitter have shut. Twitter have suspended your account seven times. Seven times. What does that right? tell you about? But what does that tell you about your narrative that you're called a white supremacist bigot and Twitter have suspended your account? I was kicked off Twitter one time, Neil, for saying that men can't have babies. My account was closed for saying men cannot have babies. Last time I checked, last time I checked, men Can can't you? have babies. Men, oh, Neil, what are you a bigot? What are you, a racist? No, but I'm just saying with regards because, to what you no, did because, recently, you were kicked off again. Transsexuals believe that men 100% can have babies. So if you go on Twitter tonight and if you say men cannot have babies, men cannot have periods, right, your Twitter account will be up for review. It, may, it might not be taken down tonight, but if you maintain that opinion... It will be closed. I guarantee you that. Why don't you change your anger? You don't call it anger. Don't have anger. I mean, I picked, I picked up a lot of anger on your videos. I have to say, you look. You can. You Do, can say. You know. You can say whatever you want. Like, but you don't know me. So, no, actually, actually, just on that you topic, know? you you had to go at the media. You had to go at Red FM. You had to go mm-hmm. at people who were blocking you and not engaging. I, I had no idea who you were until today. Is that is that a fair thing to say? I've no idea. We've spoken before. Yeah, right? we've but, spoken before several times. Yeah, but I had no idea as to how kind of intense right. you are about the things that you believe in. I, I'm not blocking mm-hmm. anybody. I'm all for. Yeah, I'm all for giving. Of my followers also believe right and also support all of my opinions. Maybe it's time for you to get on board. Right, it's, not my, it's not my job to get on board, Derek. It's my job to try and be balanced to give you an opportunity to say what you wish to say, but also right. to give others yeah. and to yeah. try and keep things relatively calm, you know? Before we move into Maybe a world be calm. before we move Maybe into a world where get... we're back to the nineteen thirties and the early nineteen forties that led to absolutely yeah. catastrophic situations with regards to other minorities and other people and other people from different wor- walks of life, including the Jews and gypsies yeah. and gay people. Yeah. And before we know it, we've absolute carnage on our streets. That's all I'm saying. If that you ask me, Neil, we've, compens- we've overcompensated for that. We've spent the for last... 40, for, like for, 50, for 52,000 refugees fleeing war who will ultimately at, go home. At a time... At a time when our country is in the crisis it's in, we cannot take those people. I have families around Mitchellstown 
that cannot find a home or have been sleeping on a floor. A six-person family have been sleeping. I've been contacting you for weeks to highlight this story, and you've refused. Okay, I have not. I have family. not refused. Texting, I have never. I have your, never refused. Been, I don't get okay. to see every six. I understand what you're saying. I mean, I get it. Like, why have the Irish government found a way for Ukrainians when they couldn't do it for the Irish? I'm not blind to that. I understand that. Mm. I don't have an answer for that. But I don't want. You don't people- have an answer. Well, maybe we need to come to. We need to find an answer. We need to find an answer. The, the housing crisis is not a supply issue. It's a demand issue. We're bringing too many people into the country, Neil. Far too many people, right? We should have capped those numbers. We should have said 5,000 or 10,000 because that's all we could take. But, in people fact, are coming in, but people are coming in all of the time from multinational companies. Apple are bringing them in. Google are bringing them in. Facebook are bringing them in. There are tens of thousands of them coming in yearly, annually looking for someone. Exactly. You, don't, you don't have an issue with multinationals bringing in workers looking for a place. They're also gobbling up whatever well, housing stock and apartment stock you're talking. You don't have an issue. You just have an issue. You just seem to have an issue with people who are vulnerable. No, I don't, I don't have a problem with people who are vulnerable. But why aren't you right? having a go at Facebook well, or Google or Apple or, you know, Pharma that are bringing in huge... We hear all these if you wanna, fantastic... Oh, if it's you great wanna, news, yeah, an extra 500... 60% right, of multinationals right, hire from outside the state. Correct. That is ab- all all, that all is of the absolutely. call centers that we have here, they're absolutely. all bringing staff in from all over the... You don't have any issue with it. You just have an issue with I the Ukrainian, have you have an issue with the Syrian, no. you have an issue with an African no. or Nigerian. No, no, no. You're talking nonsense now again. I, my issue is when Irish people are not put first in this country. I don't have a problem with any nationality, okay? If Irish people, okay. right, uh, the Irish people right, are the ones uh, that I want seen treated first in this country. You do... Not it, anybody else. Okay, so just just to, to wrap up, you do realise, and going yeah. back to the start of our conversation, the where you went into Merchant's Key, which is a yeah. Ukrainian charity give clothing yeah. to Ukrainians who came with the clothes on mm. their back or a suitcase or whatever very little limited well, things. Look, that's your opinion well it is my well it is my opinion yeah. it's as my opinion as much yeah. as they're not driving Porsche motor cars but, yeah. but there, there they were my uh, opinion is they didn't uh, show up with the clothes on their back but anyway you, you, do, you do know we have many many charitable services and I don't expect everybody listening to this conversation on there to agree with me. They might be they might be angry with me, but we have a lot of services available to Irish people who find themselves in difficulty. Do any of them only offer goods to Irish people only? Do any of them cater to only Irish people? No. The shop and merchants key caters only to Ukrainian people and that's the problem that I have. Derek, thank you for taking the call. Absolutely no problem. We'll go talk again. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. You can pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. My conversation with Derek Bly. He made some points, actually, and some observations and claims during the interview and conversation with him. A robust chat, I think, um, that I had to go and check subsequent. He made a point that mostly men were coming in. Mostly men. So I just did some checking into that just from the fairness and balance. Women aged 20 and over account for almost half 
of all of the Ukrainian arrivals to date. Uh, so 48% of those that have come in are women aged over 20. 37% of arrivals are children aged 0 to 19. So when you combine women aged over 20 and children, 85% of those that have come in from Ukraine um, are women and children, 85, not uh, mostly men. Uh, many of the spouses and partners stayed in Ukraine to fight for their country. Um, but an estimated 6 million people have traveled from Ukraine to nearby countries. So just to clarify that, 48% women over 20 and 37% of them are children aged 0 to 19. Uh, another point that Derek made was with regards to Ukrainian students uh, getting the uh, grants available for third level education. Um, uh, it seems that Ukrainian students who flee to Ireland and want to continue their education will be treated as if and are being treated as, as if they are Irish in terms of grants and fees available uh, particularly for higher education. And these are the words of Simon Harris. He says that Ukrainian students are eligible to apply for the SUSE grant scheme and where applicable, the €3,000 contribution charge. Um, and I believe there isn't a charge for, you know, there's a type of an international student charge. People come over here to uh, be educated. That doesn't apply either. So in regards to that stat, Derek Bly is correct. Uh, they would be treated the same as anybody else in the Irish education system, as if they were Irish. So that would be where applicable the SUSE grant, which would be your, your 3,000 and odd, and the student contribution, which is the other 3,000. So, okay, and that one. Um, uh, he spoke about restaurants and hotels. Um, I, I booked three hotel rooms uh, in uh, Ukraine yesterday, one in Kiev, one in Kharkiv and one in Odessa. And it was possible for me to book uh, all three of them now. I did see an initiative that said that um, Ukrainian businesses, whether it's a restaurant or a hotel, are encouraging, are encouraging people from overseas uh, to book tables or to book hotels and pay for them, even though they wouldn't be traveling. So I don't know. Um, I did look at some video footage, live footage of hotels in Ukraine that did seem to be open. There seemed to be people in them. Uh, but so I was able to book hotels in Kiev, Kharkiv and Odessa. And the, the other point then uh, that I wanted to check was a claim that Sweden was the rape capital of uh, Europe. And it was down to the fact that they'd brought in and allowed in. They opened the floodgates with regards to immigration. Uh, according to worldpopulationreview.com, um, the uh, 10 countries with the highest rape rates so far in 2022 uh, Botswana is number one, Lesotho is number two, South Africa is third, Bermuda is fourth, Sweden is fifth, uh, but it does come first in Europe as fifth worldwide, first in Europe. Uh, now, where people are divided on this as to whether that has anything to do with liberal immigration laws or more people presenting, uh, having been raped and better prosecution of rapists, I don't know. So there's a debate, a big debate going on as to whether it's liberal immigration laws or indeed better reporting and better prosecutions. So that was just some of the checking that I had to do following uh, the conversation. Now, what did happen after um, uh, Derek's visit to the Ukrainian hub outlet, Merchants Key, is that they had to close the hub. Uh, management now have to seek legal advice on how it operates. And I told you that uh, it provides a free service, but only for those fleeing war. And there has to be a legal interpretation as to whether that's fair, equitable with regards to everybody else who might be in need of help and not being able to walk in there for hats or, or gloves or trousers or shorts or whatever the case may be. So that's some clarification on it. Get it off your chest. 
Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. I see a text coming in there. Lots of them, actually. Text 0868-104-106. According to your statistics, if 85% of Ukrainians coming in are women and children, does that mean that the remaining 15% are men? Yes, but I imagine it would, but it could be very elderly men or men of all different ages. The point being, he said, mostly men, and that clearly isn't the case. And I've shown you the statistics to show that that isn't the case. Okay, um, I'm going to get to the phone lines on this and see how we get on. Uh, Michael, good morning. Michael, can you, can, yeah, thanks for holding. I know you've been holding a while. What, what did you make of that? What are your thoughts? Well, look, Neil, I've just been looking, I've been looking on Facebook at what this guy is doing, right? And, like, I do agree, maybe, that there is too many people coming into this country, right? But why doesn't he man up, right? And why does he man up and take on the government instead of turning Irish people into, into racists? Because that's all he's doing. Let's let's face it. Sorry, no, I'm angry about this. Okay. Why doesn't he tackle the government, and why is he focusing on a minority, the Ukrainian people, mostly women and children? Why doesn't he do that? Why doesn't he organise rallies? Why doesn't he take on the big boys, the people making the decisions? You know. He said numerous times, though, that he has no issue in the wide earthly world with regards to Ukraine or Ukrainians. So indirectly, he is having a go at government and government policy and, our, and, and what he would call is our, our free-for-all. Anyone can come here uh, when we haven't got housing for our own or, an, or a health system that works for our own. That would be it in a nutshell, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, Neil, if you look on his Facebook page, all, all of his stuff is directed. It's anti-Ukrainian. You know what I mean? And I'm just saying that the Ukrainian... Well, what if he, what if he was to say that he's not anti the people? He's anti the fact that we shouldn't be bringing 52,000 people in here uh, and uh, fast-tracking their process. As, as, well, like, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the results of like what he's posting and the comments that are being left now. And what I see is a load of Irish people jumping on this racist bandwagon now that's starting off or send them back to their own country. They're nothing but this and they're nothing but that. And it's actually disgusting. Because I'm Irish and it's not my way to be racist. Mm. And what he's doing is he is drumming up racist hatred. And he knows exactly what he's doing. He's like, no, no, I, I, no, I love all the people. He does not need. That's bollocks. Sorry, no. Mm. Mm. Does it shine a light, though, on how things can be done very quickly and efficiently when needed? Uh, but couldn't have been done for people who were struggling before a Ukrainian war that happened to be here all of the time. Uh, whether that's the you know able to get a, a a medical card as quickly as they can, being able to be fast tracked for social welfare payments as quickly as they can, um, you know we heard earlier in the week of people who had been put out of uh, the Commons Inn and another uh, story on Tuesday of people who've been put out of a four bedroom house because uh, it was needed allegedly for refugees. I mean, does that make us racist if we talk about things like that? No, it's grand to talk about it, Neil, but like, what's he doing in relation to tackling the government, the people who are making the decisions? What's he doing in relation to that? You know, that's what I want to know. Mm. Mm. Why, why, why isn't he organising rallies and taking on the big boys up in Dublin? It stokes you know? hatred then, his narrative. Yes, yes. Yeah. If, you, if you look on the comments on his page... What should I... Uh, what, I yeah, yeah, well, well, yeah, I've seen some of them. But clearly those on his page would be very supportive of him. Yeah, and it, like not only very supportive of him, but now very anti-Ukrainian. And so what, like, what, what, should, what should I do with the text that I received then that would also be in support of him? Because I'm obliged to be very balanced and give both sides. But others are saying that I shouldn't deal with it at all, full stop. 
Well, you have, you have to talk about it, Neil. You know, that, that's your job. But like, as you said, it has to be balanced. And like, what I'm trying to do is balance it out a small bit. I do not blame the Ukrainians for everything that is wrong this morning. You know, I got up this morning, there was no milk in the fridge. I didn't blame the Ukrainians for that. I know. Yeah, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's what's happening now. People are blaming the Ukrainians for everything. But hang on a second. This, this was brought to my attention because of the hub in Merchinsky where only somebody from war-torn Ukraine could go in and get free clothing or footwear. He had an issue with that because he said this never happened before for an Irish person who needed hat and gloves. Well, you could go to Penny Dinners or Vincent de Paul, but... There was no hub that was exclusively, you know, only for Irish people. It should be for all. Yeah, I don't think that that was right. It should not have been Ukrainian only. So I, I think there's a reason why that place closed and that that was wrong. Okay. But so like, what, what I am absolutely against is not what he's saying. It's the effect of what he's saying, which is now turning a lot of Irish people anti-Ukrainian and turning Irish people into racists. And I'm Irish and I will not be a racist. And... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stand by and watch while a lot of Irish people are becoming hateful now over the things that he's saying. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna get to texts on it after eleven o'clock. But an awful lot of people are very angry with him, though, just just like you are. So it, it's not a free for all for racist comments. You know, there's a lot of people who are very unhappy with what he has to say. Yeah, he's entitled to his opinions, but he knows he has to know the following that he's getting now and this this negative following. That that's what I don't like. Okay. You know? Okay. Just okay. disgusting racist comments, Neil, to be honest. Okay. Like Thanks, Michael. Okay. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Johnny, good morning. I'm good jo- morning, Odin. Yeah, I'm told it's not a great phone line. Uh, you just wanted to pick up my no, conversation. It's not, yeah. sorry. Okay, go ahead. What have you got for me? Um, no, it's just um, Derek was on about the, Mitch, the town and the family of Mitchstone that uh, my home is. That's, that's me. Uh, me and my wife and four children. Um, we've been without a home now for three weeks and he was trying to highlight like that to you a couple of weeks ago when we became homeless. Right, okay, what so happened? And we're just living in our house for, for maybe nearly eight years and came up for sale. The landlord decided to sell, which is their right to do, no problem. And um, they gave us our notice and we've been pushing the council to see could they get us uh, council housing as soon as we've been on the list for 12 years. Yeah. And they they said no, there was nothing around, and then we we heard that maybe there might be a buy a rent to buy scheme off them. Tried that, they said no, and then only yesterday I found out that the council actually bought my house and they, the one so, next door to it. So council bought the house that you were evicted from because the landlord was selling it Three and sold. Ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sold it to the council, but not only did they buy your house, they bought the house next door. As well, yes. And I've been on them since November last year and they said they don't buy pri- private housing anymore. So I've been lights at and all scales around and we're now homeless and school starting next week and kids are scattered all over the place and with family and it's just horrible. Okay. And, and, and I hate using the term, but can you prove that the council bought them? Um, the auctioneer taught me, I won't say his name on here, but right. uh, he, he taught me um, that... He said, look, I'm, I don't want to be lying to you anymore. He said, the council did buy it. Okay, and did he um, say that they bought the so one next door as well? Yeah, yeah. he did, Jack, because he also had that as well. Okay, yeah. and were you renting that privately, yeah? I was renting that privately, yeah. Right, okay, okay, yeah. okay. And do you know what they're but going to do that, with those two houses now? See, what the problem is, like, they'll probably leave that, leave that house sit there for, God only knows how long, and then they have to come in with all their engineers and... 
they'll probably rip everything out when there's no need to be ripped out and probably you know, go up in an app for everybody else to bid on and see who kind of deserves it more. Like. Yeah, yeah. But like, I, I, I thought, you know, like, we were looking for a council for so long and if they had intentions to buy that, why not just leave us there? But they've just made us homeless, I think. And what's, happened, what's happened now with the family? Where is everybody? Um, I've, my mother has this one spare room and there's our four kids in one bed and me and my wife, and we were in the car for a little bit, but... The car? We kind of made a, a mini sitting room. Yeah, we, we, made a, we made a kind of a, a mini bedroom out of our sitting room there and we kind of slow making up every night. It's so, awful. Like. Yeah, so you're all in, the, in your folks' house in cramped conditions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crime conditions of school next week, and it's not in the town, it's in the countryside. My wife doesn't drive, she has a disability in her eye, she can't get a license. So it's just, yeah, not good. <laughs> be very interesting to see what they do with those two houses now that they've bought, isn't it? Won't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What they'll do, like they told me, there's no um, council houses coming up Mitchtown for six months at least. <laughs> Yeah, but when and you left it, when you know, left, when you left that home, it was perfectly habitable, was it? Yeah, yeah, perfect. I've been living there eight years. You know, we never bothered the landlord for anything. We kind of like he always said, make it your own. You know, so so we've done all the work ourselves. Like. Yeah, yeah. yeah all the furniture all was ours. Like, so we had to move everything out. It's a bare, empty house now. Yeah. So th- there's there's nothing in the offing for you at all up that wet neck of the woods, no. No rent. Nothing, nothing. There's no private, there's no private rent houses. Everybody in the area is selling. Everyone in the area is selling. Like so, um, there's going to be more families like me in the same position. Like, and there is, I know at least of three to four empty houses in Mitchstown that are constantly owned, and two of them are absolutely complete and ready. And they're telling me then on the phone then that there's nothing. They are, I have to wait for to go up in the CBL app. CBL app and then build for us. Boring times for you, heading back to school and heading into the winter. Yeah. Difficult, yeah. difficult. Yeah, difficult, and I walked diff- myself Monday to Friday, like, so I don't know what I'm going to do, like, because my kids need to be dropped to school and collected, like, four from four different times. So, yes. question about my job now, eh? Why? Because I might have to do the school runs and things, because my wife doesn't drive and mm. I don't the countryside. Yeah, All my family members walk. I can't, you know, I can't expect them to be running around for me, like. No school bus, no? No, not in that area, no. No, no, no. I'm on the six. <laughs> All right. Six, tough six, one, Johnny. Yeah. Tough one. Listen, uh, I hope things work yeah. out for you, really and truly. Thanks, I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. All right, text 0868-104-106. You need to make the connection between your conversation this morning and your conversation with an Irish man sleeping in a tent, homeless. Yes, that's Paul the chef who's in a tent up at the Mardike. The elephant in the room here is that the Irish man is sleeping in a tent and homeless, but anybody claiming asylum, um, anybody who would be deemed by some as a freeloader gets housing the minute they arrive. Have you ever seen um, a, well... This text actually identifies a particular nation, a person from a particular nation. There's no need for that. So let's just say, have you ever seen an asylum seeker in a tent in Cork? Before any knuckle-dragger 
phones in and says there's a war in Ukraine, I will only say this. The only Ukrainians that deserve asylum are people of the Donbass region who've been under siege since 2014. 16,000 of them have been killed. Where was Paddy uh, with his little Ukrainian flag in his car window then? How is the young Irishman, for God's sake? Wake up, says Sean in Douglas. Uh, with regards to Paul in the tent, uh, my heart goes out to him. Unfortunately, uh, he's Irish. If he wasn't, he'd have better luck at getting somewhere to stay. It's like that now in this country. The Irish have forgotten in their own country. He paid his tax in USE for five years when he was chefing to end up on the streets. I tell you, the sooner the government is gone, uh, the better. And one final one. It's a disgrace that a young man has to live in a tent uh, over a landlord who is just so selfish. Our own people should be taken care of first before Ukrainian refugees. I know they're fleeing war, but our government are the biggest idiots and couldn't care less. I feel so sad for that young man. Sounds like a very lovely fella. I hope he gets sorted with a room and a job. Thanks, Maria. I have some updates on that that hopefully will lead uh, to certainly a job. So hopefully more on that uh, this side of uh, midday. Um, but I'm just trying to gather as many of the texts and calls together as I can following my conversation with uh, Derek Bly. Michael, good morning. Neil, how are you doing? Good. Thank you for pulling in. Your thoughts? So, yeah, no, I, do you know what, now? It was just, I, I've heard Derek on, on the show before and... I, I thought he made some great points. It's just that some of it... No, let me just say on that I, matter, I believe that he was on the air with Mick Mulcahy some, some, some yeah. weeks ago. Oh, that's, or what some, yeah. that's what it was. Now, he, now, on the 4th of July, that was with Mick, yeah. not with me. Now, it, yeah. he may have been on way before that with me, but I, I don't recall. I deal with so many different calls. Yeah. But it, certainly, no, he wasn't he, on with me the last time, yeah. Yeah, he actually reminds me of an English lad. He's kind of gone off the radar, which a lot of people will know of him, and he, he's got... He's one of the most misrepresented men on earth. His name is Tommy Robinson. And he, he said a lot of the similar things. And people labelled him a racist. Right. And he actually spent more time trying to disprove that he, he wasn't a racist when actually what he cared about. And Derek sounds like this to me. And it's a lot of people, if they actually ask him like what his views are, they'll agree with him. It's, he, he, it sounds like he's just Irish first. Which, in fairness, how can you argue with that? Our government is there for us. You can't justify... We have international obligations. You do realise that with regards to asylum seekers and refugees of war. And and to be fair, I think everyone is compassionate to a degree, but... We ha- there has to be some order and some like when you like I remember that you had on air a lot a lot of people about about children and autism and how they were they were crying out for years and years and years for help and there's nothing help intervention assessment and, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah everything just like that. anything yeah. just help us with our children and these are parents who've been paying tax you know fighting the good fight they've done it the hard way and then you've the last second coming in then. And they're getting in ahead in the queue. And the problem is as well, it's like if you were in a shop. Well, in what queue? Like, where, how are they getting in ahead of you? Do you, do you equate a bed and breakfast or a hotel room as No, no. What I mean, the queue is more of a metaphor. So what I mean is, is that you're, you're, there's waiting lists and people acknowledge that. Like if you ask your government for help, you're not going to get it like right away. But it, the problem is, is that the Irish are being pushed out of the way and they're saying, sorry, who can just make way please for these these foreign people, and I think it's actually the Irish government are afraid of, of a pay- they want to look good to the EU buddies. They, they don't want to look like the racist crowd that don't help out the European, the European uh, allies, which I get as well, but you cannot justify 
you, we've literally got like a, a platter of, of crises. So we have the housing crisis, we have the homelessness crisis, the healthcare crisis. And within the healthcare crisis, then you have the mental health crisis, you have the autism one, you've, you've, you've just a battle. Yeah, you listed others. You said our ongoing, ongoing drug, drug problem. We're under resourced Garda Force. There, there's so what many. Is, but here's yeah. my problem with all of that. History yeah. has taught us down through the hundreds and hundreds of years that have gone before us that everybody who feels like that and has all of these gripes always has to find someone to blame. And they find a soft yeah. target. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And, and the thing is, I actually think it's actually better, the fact that it's Ukrainian people who are basically white, it makes this whole thing a lot easier because if they were coming from an African country, you have a whole other facet then to deal with where people would be just labelled. The, the racism conversation would just be dialed up to a hundred. But people, it's not that people, and the Ukrainians are not to blame either. If you're fleeing a country and you come in and the government say, here's this, this and this, drive on, I wouldn't say no. I'd say thanks very much. Yeah. Like, what? They're not going to give it back. Why would they? It's our government's fault. And the previous caller made a good point. He said, "What's he doing? You know, calling out the, the, the government." But this is how you do it. Yeah. You well, just people things. are calling you out. Incidentally, I won't spend long on this, but people are saying for you to say that Tommy that uh, Robinson is the most misunderstood man in Britain is making people do a double take with his but, crimin- but with his I, criminal I mean, record for would, violence, but, uh, financial yeah. immigration but, frauds, but, drug possession, public yeah. order offences. No, but the, the public order offences and stuff like that were from when he was like right. seven. No, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not saying this. I know, very, I, know, I know very little about the guy referred to. I, I mean, I did recognise yeah. his name for all the wrong and, reasons. It's just and, people are saying yeah. that, you know, how can no, they take I, you seriously in what you're happen. saying? Yeah, I've had arguments with friends right. over beers where I was okay. I'm telling them, you should look at his ox. Okay, but I, I, I know I'm only, I'm only pointing right. that out to you. But and yeah, your point is that people like Derek Bly are taken out of context and that their their motives yeah. are, are sound, is it? Yeah, well, it's not. Here, the thing is, I don't know all his beliefs, but one thing I don't believe that you should do is if, if he puts up a post and some guy, some racist guy misunderstands it and says, oh, yeah, boy, I'm with you. You know, f them so and so's. That's not. He's not responsible for him. Like Derek, Derek is not responsible for every person who misunderstands him. And like, for example, if you're in a shop and 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 a black person skipped the queue and you say, "Excuse me, sir, there's actually a queue," and then someone says, "Oh, you're a racist." Like, no. No. I'm telling him the rules. Well, that's nonsense for somebody to say that. But that, but that is literally what's happening now. He's pointing out an unfairness and saying this is not right like only Ukrainians get the free stuff what about the Irish well he said he and said that he said that um, they're the, that they're all men they're not he said that uh, Ukrainians yeah, are driving is. Porsches yeah. Mercedes free everything just flash your Ukrainian passport like seriously yeah I yeah, I know I heard a great quote saying that if you ever say all or everything, the, the, the chance you're inaccurate is almost 100%, which is like a paradox. But he, he should never have said all. Like it's, But he's probably, what he really meant to say was a lot more, the idea that it's a load of, a load of like terrified women and children, he's like, that's not the case. There's okay. definitely, there's definitely men coming over as well. And it's just the, the narrative in the news is like, and it, it has taken a life of its own. It's just, it's not what it's being portrayed. Okay. Like okay. There's definitely more to meet the eye. Let me get some more on the air, Michael. Thank you for your contribution. Thank you. Appreciate the text. Timmy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Uh, your thoughts? My thoughts. Um, well, 
I, I, I work construction and uh, I, I've, I've had the, the good fortune to work with um, Derek. He's a sound man, you know. Um, we, uh, like, we, we're holding the country up with our taxation and we're uh, generational taxpayers. And I suppose what Derek is highlighting is that as generational taxpayers, we're not seeing the dividend with... Um, from government policy in relation to our own people in Ireland, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that he and I are looking at this through two different lenses. Okay, just talk to me about that. Yeah, um, I, I, that's the point. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Uh, Derek is kind of on the ground and a kind of, it's more grassroots lens, you know. Um, he's talking to people on the streets. He's, you know, uh, like the, the chap there that, that, that's homeless with his family, like he's, he's interacting with these people and, and feeling their trauma. Yeah, you know, okay, like, okay. And I think um, unless you're kind of walking in his shoes, you, you'll obviously take it from more kind of um, uh, 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 governmental um, that, well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't take it from the governmental uh, point of view. I don't follow that narrative or buy into their spin. Uh, I talk to people all of the time who are suffering and are hurting, and we know of all of the issues in this country. It was never so bad in my memory, but I can't, I can't sit back and say that we need to find a scapegoat to blame for it. You know, fifty-two thousand Ukrainians well, I, I, aren't I, I, really aren't I, I, really I impacting all that much on the I'll state give, of this I'll nation. Scape- I'll give you a scapegoat. You want a scapegoat, Neil? I'm listening. Peter Sutherland. What, the European Union? Peter Sutherland was ex-Attorney uh, General of Ireland and then became um, the UN Secretary for Refugees. And himself, <laughs> okay. and Simon Coveney, okay. himself and Simon Coveney went to... Um, a clandestine. All right, let's let's leave that let's leave that alone because I have no idea. I, I listen. I have no idea. What, no, there's no point shouting at me. I have no idea where you're going with this line of thought, uh, and I can't allow it unless I have an, an idea as to where you're going, so that you don't get you and me into a hell of a lot of trouble over it. So unless we leave that narrative alone, I'm going to have to stop. About the Bilderberg meeting in Copenhagen, no, 2014. No, no, no. I listen. I, I have to stick on theme here you know don't be going off on tangents on me that I don't know where you're going because the, lo- the laws of defamation and litigation in this country are just ridiculous and you won't be the one that'll be sued for it do you know what I'm saying so, but it's fact that Sam Coveney went alright okay alright I'll have to find out what you're talking about I can come back to you then sorry about that pal but I have to protect you and more importantly me and this radio station Luke good morning how's it going good I'm happy to come back to you Tim you want to clarify where you're going with that Luke go ahead um, to be honest, I was just kind of um, airing my thoughts just on the back of the interview, obviously. Okay. Um, yeah. I just, to be honest, as a lifelong listener to the show, I'm, I'd be Is that a great line there, Luke? Can you move around a little bit? Is that better? I'll, I'll see how it sounds. Go ahead. Um, it's just, it's the, close, the, the show is so close to my heart, Neil. To be honest, I was just taken back by the interview with Derek this okay. morning. Why? To be honest, I just, just, I just thought he was treated very unfairly. Like, you know, he came on and he had facts for every single thing he said and he was I, I know it's your job to push back but I it just felt, I felt you really push back too much on you have to Luke believe me with calls like that and that topic you have to push really hard no, I don't I, think I, that I, Derek I, had a problem with it he said good to talk to you Neil you have no, to push hard for this you have to man I, I agree I agree and I know that's your job and I've heard you doing it before in the past and I've never had a problem with it I just feel in this case he had 
evidence for every point he made and you just didn't even give it a chance to breathe. No, man, he got, to, he got nearly half an hour on air. I covered every single part. I left nothing out. I went away and fact-checked many of the things he said on air. And some of the things that he said were factually correct. He's right about the Susie Grant. He's right about the, the, uh, the um, 3,000 personal contribution. That's waived for Ukrainian refugees if they meet the criteria. Like... So, I, you know, there's nothing missed here. There is nothing to see apart from me being really robust, really challenging. And you have to. You have to. Okay, okay. Uh, so, okay. So, I'll ask you now, what do you think of some of the stuff that he said that you've checked yourself and now you know as a fact? Because you didn't really give an opinion to some of the stuff he said either on, because you didn't know yourself. I said, on, I said on a number of occasions, I get where he's coming from with regards to the state that the country's in. I understand how they were able to fast-track all sorts of different things for people coming in here that they could never do for Irish people that I've spoken to over the years. I understand that. I just don't want to create it. Hang on, just let me at least say this. I don't want to create a situation where anybody's safety or anybody's life or welfare will be in any way impacted because they hear from another country and it could lead to hatred against them. I have a responsibility there. Okay. What about when he said that he doesn't think that a lot of them just came here with the clothes on their back. You push straight back on that as if you know for a fact that that's not the case. But, like, what are we arguing about? Like, how many suitcases? Look, they might all not be driving around in free cars and all this crack, as he says, but he did say to you, I have a picture to prove it. If I send it to you, will you post this? You push back on that completely. I'm sure I don't. I mean, no, I said, like, that could be a photograph from social media. That could be, that could even be, that could even be a Ukrainian who drove a Mercedes across Europe. But nobody gave it to them. I don't know anything. Or, or the photo could prove exactly what he said. Well, you don't know, no, because you're not going to see it, I would imagine. No, not Luke. The point that I was picking up on was a quote, driving Porsches, Mercedes, free everything, just flash your Ukrainian passport. I was asking the question, if somebody flashed a Ukrainian passport, would somebody give them a Porsche or a Mercedes? Like, no. That's, all that's I'm sa- not what he said either, though, okay. That's not what he said. I just feel as if, you know, this man is taking time out. He's not a fruitcake. I know there has been people in the past, I understand, there's been people that come on, they'll say things willy-nilly. He doesn't strike me as that type of person. I don't know him from Adam, but I, I'm, I'm listening to what he's saying. Yeah. I'm listening to what he's and saying. And have you it's any... Not, but why don't you comment on the fact that you had an opportunity to hear what he had to say for for 30 minutes? I did have an opportunity yeah. to hear what he had to say, but he spent a lot of the time defending what he was saying as well. Because that, but, you have to take that into consideration. This man has taken time out of his own life to go away. He clearly had his homework done. Did you hear what he said about Sweden? I didn't know, any about that. I didn't know anything about that. Did you? Uh, well, it, dep- it depends how you interpret the statistic regarding Sweden. He's, he's educating himself. He's gathering evidence, pictures, videos. He's, he's speaking. He's fighting for Irish. He's fighting for us. Like, he's fi- and he's been pushed back on. And this word racism is being thrown around. He's not one bit racist. What's, what? He said nothing. You mentioned the word racist or racism about seven times after he got off the phone. The caller that came on next, you were, you were throwing the word racism back and forth. Why? There was nothing racist whatsoever about anything he said. I've no doubt whatsoever in my mind if there was if if it would say if Cork was Cork and Dublin was Ukraine and the same thing was happening within this same country, he'd have the same attitude, but nobody would call that racist then because it would be between the Irish. It's it just it's it's mental. It's I mean, mental if the brush that he's gonna be painted with, the ideas oh, that are gonna be gone into people's heads, he, it's not, it's it's false, like okay, I just don't think it's fair. Well I don't know I don't know about not being fair. 
half an hour on the air sounds very fair to me. On a topic like this, you have to challenge, you have to push back, you have to push back hard. He knew that. He has no problem with that, incidentally, Luke. He just hasn't a problem with it. I understand that. I understand that. Okay, hold on a second, though, if you would. Michael. Yeah, just don't go anywhere for a second. I'll come back to you. Michael wants to maybe pick up on a comment, some of your comments. Michael, what's on your mind? Uh, Hi, Neil. Um, just what regards to sorry I'm after forgetting the guy's name that you've on there Luke. he said that uh, um, sorry hi Luke uh, said that uh, practically everything Derek said was true which is nonsense really because when you you looked at it practically everything he said wasn't a fact you know I mean he, he claimed that he knows somebody who knows somebody who works in the Department of Education and said that the Ukrainian people are getting more than the Irish people. Um, the uh, Ukrainian that, student that comes to true. Ireland is eligible to apply for the SUSE grant and where applicable, yeah. the 3,000 student contribution charge. He, so he's he's right. He's Irish right. People. Yeah, Not all Irish people. <laughs> I, I didn't no, say everything yeah, Derek said was where it's applicable. He had right. okay. evidence to back up the points he made. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but that wasn't ev- that. That wasn't ev- He also said that oh, most of the people said, coming in. He clearly said, as right. he said it, he okay. said he wasn't a hundred percent. He was just putting it out there. I'm but saying everything he, that he, he said that he, he believes to be fact. He had something to back it up. Yeah. He okay. had something well, to back well, it some up. of he some didn't. of it was accurate. Some of it was he inaccurate. Didn't. He said mostly That's men point, came he here. Didn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All yeah, right, mostly men. That which he acknowledged himself may may be true, may not be true. What didn't he have evidence for that he said? Well, I would just say but one thing: if somebody if somebody wants to come, if somebody wants to come on air and really believe in what but they're no, saying and doing, they, they should fact check their claims before they come on air, rather exactly. than me having to do it afterwards. I think. Can I, can I just pick up? Why you say? Look, he said most of the people coming in were men. Yeah. yeah what, what are you saying he's wrong about the men? Because I have experience of that myself. I'm not going to mention any names or anything. So you know that you know that most people coming from Ukraine are men. The gym I'm a member of is putting some of them up at yeah. the moment because because the gym is yeah. shared with a hotel, okay. and they're absolutely yeah. as men. I can tell you that for a fact. They're absolutely. We know as there's men here. Strong we know men. there's men here, but. But they're not mostly men coming into Ireland from Ukraine. That's factually... He didn't say mostly. He did. He did. He said he did. mostly men. Yeah. Mostly men. Yeah, just one, just one point, Michael. Just one point, Michael. If there are, and we know the statistic is around 50, maybe 51, 52,000 Ukrainians that are here, all of them with a bed and a roof over their head, right? Um, yeah. How come we were able to do that so quickly and so efficiently? When we have, say, for instance... Paul, a chef who lost his job in a tent up on the Mardike and nobody's given him a kick and a stampede. Because we have a shambles of a government. We have a government that's refusing to build houses uh, that why are needed why, for the why, didn't, why didn't the Irish government, in, in desperate needs for Irish people, like who are couchsurfing in their parents' box room, why didn't they sequester and rent Irish hotels for the last five or ten years? Because they're a shambles. Okay. A complete shambles of a government because a lot of them are house owners and landlords, and it's in their best interest that they don't build houses. So you it's know that really there's simple. a lot of people, including probably Luke and certainly Derek, who believe they just want to look good in the eyes of Brussels. Absolutely, hundred percent believe that. Believe that. And who I really feel sorry for as well is the pe- the Ukrainian people that the government are using as pawns to make them look good. They're bringing them in. Neil, have you seen where they're staying? I, I, I'm in a job where 
I've been in a few of these places and I've actually spoken to a few of the, the uh, refugees. And I mean, I was, I was talking to a girl who's a solicitor. Her house is blown up. She's now living in Ireland. Her, her uh, elderly father and elderly mother are still in Ukraine. They're, they're too elderly to travel. She can't uh, go over to them. She's nowhere to live. She's now living in an old convent, really old convent, uh, and she's getting 200 euro a week, and people think she's on a roiler. I mean, Jesus, who wants to leave? People are looking at these things through their own kind of rose-tinted glasses mm. as, if, as if it's their lives. These people had lives in Ukraine. These people, most of them were probably working. They were doing their best. Okay, yeah. And they had to leave. I mean, if you think of it, how many Irish people would actually leave Ireland for a couple of hundred euro extra? It's, it's ridiculous to think that they're all leave, living here. Uh, yeah, that that may be a very valid it, point, but if it, but many people believe that it is impacted on the on the on the welfare and the interests of Irish people who should be put first. That's absolutely. the pushback. Yeah, that's always the pushback. Absolutely, okay. absolutely, and, and of course that's down to our government okay. who are right. failing to fund properly. Thank you, Michael. Luke, are you finished? For fear that you and think I that just, I'm not being just, fair. There's one I leave you with. There is just the. Um, it's, I've been. I was flicking through it myself before I came on. Just, just, what do you think in relation to the amount of services in terms of hotels and restaurants that are freely available to book for pittance in Ukraine at the moment? Like, I mean, surely that stands for something. I found you know, that a bit bizarre. I, w- I was able to book three different hotel rooms in uh, Kiev, another one in Kharkiv, and another one in Odessa. Um, but, but I'm so told for that little a day quid a night, like. It's 16 euro actually for 16 euro I think on average for each of the three of them um, it's bizarrely low but as to whether they actually ever expect me to go or not but I I, I just I, I said because he said it on air that you could and I just checked it out and you can so yeah I, I give you that I give you that alright All right. thanks uh, for that no, cheers it, yeah. take care alright no Anthony good morning oh, hi Neil yeah I think it's a bit irresponsible given someone like Derek Bourne like that irresponsible Irresponsible. He is, yeah. We yeah. should really investigate who people he associates and what he posts on Telegram. He's associating with the National Party activists to go around the country calling for direct provision centres to be attacked. And Derek Boyne. He never, he never, he never said that. He never said He's that. He's trying to be Your friends and associates are not you. So yeah. let's not yeah. even go They're there. Promoting right? him as well. Right. Yeah. Well, why do you give this non-entity a half an hour of time to stir up hate? And he goes around posting guns on social well, media. Well, here, here, here's the reason. Matches. Here's the reason why. Because he went into a hub uh, earlier in the week. Right. And took um, uh, a hat and, and yeah, and he puts it on yeah. there, online, and he's great. And, yeah. and it ultimately led to the hub having to close. That's brilliant. So now it's, great now man, it's, isn't now it? no, no, he brings along of his old togs along with him, and they try to crash the place. No, 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 that wasn't it. No, that never happened. He That's was, what he, he does. He goes around. No, he doesn't. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. You need to stop. You need to stop yeah, with that narrative, right? The National Party. You've said that, all right? Yeah, there are enough. There are enough. You're Justin Barrett on, do you? The fellow says Ireland should be for straight white people. That's the fellow he associates with. All right. That's who you should have on next. But you're, but you're on the air. You have an opportunity to give your Yeah, thoughts. well, you just have Philip O'Dwyer from the National Party on. It's his close friend. Have him on. All right. Okay. All right. Are you finished, Anthony? Um. Yeah. Okay. You just said like you had Dolores Cahill on during the COVID. That was very responsible, wasn't it? You are picking up the pieces for a few days after that. I was I was not talking to Dolores Cahill on the yeah. Air. Well, that was a great interview, wasn't it? I wasn't talking to Dolores Cahill on the yeah, air. That, that was very. That was you're picking up the pieces Anthony, a few days after that. I wasn't talking to her. I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't make any difference if you're right. Okay, listen. Thanks for your contribution. Appreciate it, John. Good morning. Uh, line, is he there, John? Oh yeah. Sorry, John. Irresponsible or what? 
John? Uh, for even giving air, pl- air, giving air time to conversations like this. Um, well, you know what? In today's society, many people out there know Neil of a of a certain political persuasion would probably call it irresponsible because they don't like the idea of open and, um, you know, they don't like the idea of open dialogue, you know, and transparent dialogue. Uh, it's a threat to them because it doesn't. I think it's it okay if it's balanced, you know. I think it's okay oh, if, if balanced. Yeah, if if everybody it's gets but an it's, opportunity. You know, the fact the fact Neil, with all due respect here, and. The, the very fact that I have to say this to you now, congratulations, and I'm not being smart now anyway, but congratulations in, in bringing that guy onto the show, Derek, this morning there, because he holds an, alter, an alternative point of view. But you've all the do-gooders, all these guys straight away out with the slogans that uh, are really uh, pissing on the grave, forgive my language, of those who actually suffered at the hands of real Nazis, real far-right people, real people who are actually racist. Those terms are thrown around like... Yes, but I tell you days. something, like, I tell you, like, I can recall when the Jews were being blamed for everything and you saw what that led to when one section oh, of society... Oh, I, I do, Neil, yeah, and you... Hundred percent, but you made a comment there earlier as well about reverting to the nineteen thirties. Let's go back because I'm a student of history only, so I like to think I have a fair idea of what I'm talking about. Okay, fair I enough. studied the lead up to the Second World War. I studied the lead up to how the Nazis rose to power in Germany, and those people had the very same mentality back then. No, excluding the whole Holocaust side of it, but as far as it got, as a result of their policies and their purposes, they shut down. Anybody with an opposing view, anybody with um, uh, differing, you know, something like a religion or an ideology that they, that they oppose to. And that's exactly what's happening today. Derek came on the radio this morning. I don't know the man from Adam. I'm pretty sure I don't agree with everything he's saying. But I do agree with one thing. He stipulated that his problem wasn't with race, with the colour of anyone's skin or whatever else. But because that's an unpopular view point in today's society, he's struck down. And you, that fellow, your last caller there, He'd want to lay off the whiskey. He sounded like he was he was ossified there while I go. Couldn't understand a word he said. But all I heard was uh, this National Party crowd. I don't know. I don't know who they are. No, I know nothing I mean, I about do them. know. He's not. I know exactly the people he's talking about. I know the different. Yeah, look, but I, I have to have that's a completely separate discussion too. Exactly. Discussion yeah, and they're probably unsavory. They're probably unsavory people. Are, like whatever. Let's, let's, let's can we just stick what we were doing. Yeah, you are right. Uh, there is a lot of disquiet, and I'm even seeing it in texts with people who are very annoyed and upset. But they're they're angry and upset with the wrong people. Exactly. That's, but this, this is the, and, and, with all due respect to the media, the media drive this division of people all the time. You know, if a man wants to come on, regard, I don't know anything, I'm not even going to go into who he associates with or whatever else. If somebody wants to come on and express a viewpoint on the media, the minute you mention the word immigration, straight away the alarm bells start going off. And they, start uh, going on, they start going off from the point of view of incitement to hatred. You see, what, you have to be very what, careful what about he, that. Did, 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 did anybody that came on your show now in the past ever incite hatred? Hatred. I've I've plenty of friends, Eastern European, North African, um, people from as far the Philippines. I've a friend of a girl. But like my, my my philosophy, my theory on this is, it's after reaching the point where if someone hands you a balloon and you keep blowing air into it, what's going to happen? Mm. Mm. But the bleeding hearts will say, Asher, keep blowing away, mad. You know, oh, keep doing it. You know, it's not fair to say that we have to put a cap on it. All the political parties refused to put a, to, to, to put a cap on the number of refugees going into this country. We understand what the refugee or what the Ukrainian refugees are feeling. If I had if I if I had the the facilities, if I had whatever else, I would I put a Ukrainian to my house, a Ukrainian family, to help them out. But the problem nowadays is anyone with a concerned viewpoint regarding the sheer numbers of immigrants is considered 
far right. Like Sinn Féin, I've no allegiance to Sinn Féin. I don't like the party, but they were the they were the boogeyman or they were the the scapegoat or the big bad wolf there for a long time in this country. Now because they're after you know moving into a position of power in the country, it's the next person, the far right or this kind of whatever else. People are genuinely concerned because the health service is under savage pressure. The housing the housing crisis is an absolute crisis. It's a it's never been as bad. Mm. But yes, we continue. But none of them, none, none of them are, people none are making yeah, money off well, it. Yeah, I was going to say none of them are getting houses or homes, but I, yeah, you know. I'm Ireland is taking in more Ukrainian refugees per capita than most countries, okay. and that's a fact. Okay. I'm not coming on here now saying this, that, and the other Eurostat. You can look it up yourself. Okay. But like, we are we are limited as what we can take. Simon Coveney made a statement there a few years back saying his aim was to increase the population by one million people. Is this part of that? I don't know. I'm not going down any conspiracies are second It's kind of a bizarre statement to make when you can't house that you have and even you can't even it's not as if people are even looking for free or subsidised housing you know the people who probably have pre-approved mortgage can't get a home can't get a house They can't Neil I I know plenty of people like and it's just It's not just social housing It's, it's all housing you know Okay. All right. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Um, Interestingly, somebody said to me, why don't you take the time to look at some of the cameras from different hotels in different parts of Ukraine? You'll find they're open. Yeah, let's put up a hotel. I'm looking at the roof of it, which I don't know who's staying there. They could be tourists for all I know, but the sun is shining and the hotel is open and there's a camera of the roof of it with the pool and the pool bar. And it seems to be very busy with people frolicking and swimming and lying out on deck chairs. Deck chairs. Uh, Dan, good morning. Dan, can you hear me? Hang on a second, get him here and see if we can change this line here. Are you there, Dan? Yeah, hi, Neil. Oh, there you are. Th- thanks for holding. Go ahead. Thanks a lot. Um, Neil, we've done our bit for the, uh, for the Ukrainian people. We've brought in 50,000 of them. We've, uh, we've given them the five-star treatment. Good luck to them. Um, of course, the question does arise, when will the Irish people get the five-star treatment? But let's leave that for a different day. Mm. Neil, I, Neil I, I would like to suggest that we've, we've done our bit for the Ukrainian people. And um, I think it's time that we now reached out to, to the great people down in Africa who are also, um, who are also uh, in a worse situation than the Ukrainian people. There's war. Uh, there's wars right across the. the for example, need the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Af- Afghanistan. Um, Af- yeah, Afghanistan, Neil, and so forth. Slightly different part of the world, but uh, just to look at the Congo, Neil, as an example, you're speaking of child soldiers, you're speaking of mass rapes, you're speaking of uh, people having their opinion. You're speaking of mass tribal warfare. People having arms cut off, depending what tribe they belong to. I understand what you're saying. I, I know where you, I know where you're going with that. I know where you're going with that. But do you really Correct. believe? Do you really believe that 52,000 Ukrainians got a five-star treatment in convents and army barracks and bed and breakfasts and hotel rooms? Well, Neil, compared to where they were and where they've come from, you would have to say by any stretch, if it's not five-star, it's definitely four. But good luck to them, Neil. I've got no issue with that. Government brought the people in. Um, let's give them the five-star treatment. I've got no issue with that. But let, let's give the Irish people the five-star treatment, Neil. Okay. Let's bring in 50 people from, from Africa, Neil, and give them the five-star treatment. 
their situation is even worse than the Ukrainians. Okay. All right. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. There are Ukrainian people taking charity donations from genuine people. There are some, not all Ukrainians, selling on the stuff that they are taking from the charities. It's a disgrace. Um, uh, why are you giving people like him airtime? It's not the Ukrainians' fault they're here. Everything in uh, the hut or the hub was donated by Cork people. Uh, another one. There's no defending the Ukrainian-only shop. Imagine the outcry if a similar shop opened saying Irish homeless only. It seems discrimination against the Irish is now acceptable. Well, I think that's why they closed the actual hub to get a legal interpretation with regards to what they were doing. Listening to the guy talking about Ukraine, I don't agree with him. But what I have seen is an inertia and fatigue to the Ukraine matter. I feel people are beginning to get resentful and it may backfire in time, says Podrick. Well done to Derek. 16,000 Eastern Ukrainians killed since 2014 by Ukrainian militia. The Irish, despite their own white race... Uh, would much rather see foreign immigrants and asylum seekers housed before the Irish, says Sean and Douglas. Get him off the air um, with his YouTube page. Uh, he should be given a box of anodin. Anodin, he's a headache. Um, another one or two here. Some of them are unbroadcastable, incidentally. Uh, does he not realize that if he sees a Porsche with a Ukrainian reg, then it was bought in Ukraine and not just handed to them here? Uh, morning, I fully agree with Derek. Our country cannot save the world. We're punching way above our weight and cannot provide for our own, says Mike. Uh, absolutely brilliant to hear Neil being destroyed on air. He's showing massive bias. The guy debating Neil is so, so right. You're entitled to that. If that was your interpretation of how the conversation went, it's different to mine. Uh, there is no bias. Uh, I have an obligation to push back. And in some cases, push back hard. And as I said already, Derek had no problem with that. None. Um, can't come on air, but he's right about Ukrainian students getting the higher rate of grant. This is paid to underprivileged students. It's the special rate. It's over 6000 a year. Ukrainian students are qualifying for this as their income is less than the 24000 per year. And they're getting social welfare, which is how you qualify for the rate. I work in the grant department, so I know it to be true. I acknowledge that what he said about that was right, that there is up to 6,000 or more available to Ukrainian students in third-level education. Uh, hold on, they will come back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Ken standing by. It may be tomorrow. Seamus, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Uh, with the little time I've left, your thoughts? Yeah, I just, I was listening earlier on, obviously, I think Derek, is it? I, I did agree with a lot of his points. I was just disappointed to see a pick at elements of maybe statements that have been made on a social media platform or whatever it may be. But Me? I just felt it was unrelated to, yeah, to the point he was trying to make. It's all, it's all, like, re- it's all related, it's all related. Well, you know, since when then did it become a racist uh since when did it become racist, really, to, to say... Because of, like... Have a policy. No, no, Neil, just since when did it become racist to have a policy whereby a country actually starts to look after its own people first before extending the hand of charity to every nation around the world? That's because we have an obligation... Like, in t- because we have an obligation in times of war to do it? Because we have an obligation. But where's the obligation to look after the, 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 the crisis that's within the country? And on that basis, I was saying that maybe that the anger is misdirected, although he doesn't claim to be angry. In fairness, he says he's focused, yeah. uh, that we should be focusing on those that make the decisions, the policies, and ignore the real needs of Irish people. I'm as up for well, that as anybody else. 
Anyway, yeah, on, on the whole be. subject of it, I, I'm I'm getting it. I get it in the neck from both sides. People saying you shouldn't have people on the air like this. You shouldn't be talking about. But we have to talk about it. We have to talk about that's it. Pro- well, that's 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 the creation of the banana republic that we're living in at the moment. We have a government in place at the minute. Fine Gael are notorious for like uh, twisting um, the line of thought of the public to, to you know to I suppose to prop up their own liberal uh, liberalism in this country and it's to our own demise which is the, the demise of our next generation our own children in this country who won't be able to live here will be forced to emigrate and so on and so forth and we should we won't have a healthcare system to actually look after us because uh, it's yeah. the over and that's, that's the reality of it but your point being that yeah. it is not racist to have a robust immigration policy where there are controls. No. So if you if you look at it, a, a simple example, and I think everybody in the world knows about it, Canada is one example, and New Zealand and perhaps Australia before this, uh, you know, their own political turmoil has come about in the last couple of years. Well, those three countries, for example, have had a, a very robust immigration policy and an immigration policy that is equal for all throughout the world. So you have to strictly adhere to their rules and regulations or you don't get in. It's as simple as that. But Michal Martin, was he was seen directly on BBC before a BBC presenter only once ago. And he had a perplexed look from a presenter on the BBC. asking Asking him about Ireland's current policy on immigration because she looked perplexed. At this point, I think there was only a couple of tens of, or if, if even 10,000 Ukrainian refugees arriving in the UK. But he sat there and stood and said, it's basically, the, you know, it's in line with the, the, the sentiment of the Irish people to have an open door to anyone and everyone if they say that they're from ref, uh, Ukrainian refugees and they will come in the door unchecked. Okay. That to me is absolutely catastrophic. Uh, and it's just, they have uh, answer, answer this, just one selective text. Stop giving these people on air time like this. It serves nobody any good. It only stirs up hate. Everything he said was anecdotal. I would call him Mr. Hearsay. Um, yeah, that sounds like someone making a comment from a member of a Fianna Gael uh, government department is about... I don't know, where, uh, P- I don't know whether any political party is involved here. It's just a punter. Plenty of political parties are involved in this. They're creating the problem, Neil. How dare a begrudger say this crap about Ukrainians? What about just helping people in need? Thank God there are decent people in Ireland, more so than the begrudgers like him. Should be ashamed of himself as an Irishman. I'm shocked and sad for him. I've been at the shop in Merchants Quay, talked to the Ukrainians with the very sad stories. He needs to grow up and wise up, says Desi. You know, Neil, at the end of the day, so, since when does, you know, when does common sense come into play? Like, when, does it, when did it become a, a racist comment to say that we need to look after our people? We need to look after our children's future in this country. We need to look after uh, some form of Irish sovereignty for the people that have been born and bred and live in this country and build this country. Since when did that become a racist thing? Like, it's, this, is, this racist card is something that's thrown out by the liberalist, the liberalist views in order to thwart their, the, 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 uh, the stance point on the issue itself. Another like, one, you're proliferating and offering a platform for idiots to share bigoted views to a broad audience, plenty of whom will walk away agreeing <laughs> with them for your lack of ability to offer the reality of this situation and calling him for what he is, right-wing and the comments that people make like his, racist. Sickening well, to Neil, hear, to have to listen to this crap. Neil, look at the country and the state that it's in now. It's that it's worst state since the, since the beginning 
of the free state. Yeah, so you're going to blame 50,000 people fleeing war for that? No, no, no. You blame the policy, the government policy that's in place on this whole issue and the government policy that's currently failing the people. I mean, it does make sense economically and like uh, socially to actually, you know, close your doors after a certain amount say you have an agreement with Europe that this is all we can take, we can't do anymore. Why is Ireland an island of 5 million people having an open door policy? To, and it's more, and they say it's okay. to suit the, the, the counterparts in Europe well, these are the sound, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if basically this is a part of the, the deal out of the, the, the pigs that we've um, become, you know, Portugal, Ireland, Greece and Spain. You know, when they gave us the bailout in the, by the IMF in 2007, mm. I would say as a part of that deal, it's like, take, do what we tell you when it comes to immigration. OK, let me just pick up on that point with, uh, with Ken, because he would agree with you on that. Thanks, Seamus. Ken, I have about 90 seconds, so make your point. I know okay. you're not around tomorrow. Hi, Neil. Uh, I'd just like to come in. The elephant in the room for me is what happened in 2008 was the European and the world economy crashed. How did Ireland bail themselves out of it? We printed money. What happens when you print money? It devalues the currency. So what do we do to get out of it again? We sold our state's assets. How's this so, connected to what we're talking about this morning, though, that, there were, that we have a puppet master in Europe? Is it telling us what to do? What it means is that Europe controls Ireland. Big business controls Ireland. All right. Okay. Thanks for that. Back after the break. Text 0868104106. We'll pick it up in the morning just after the break, just to wrap up. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. Yes, not just uh, by phone, but by text to 086-8104-106. And if you'd like to share by email, neil at redfm.ie, and I'll pick it up in the morning. Uh, Both sides, incidentally, both sides, and maybe some middle ground as well. Believe me when I tell you, it's all about trying to keep control and trying to keep balance on air. And I know I get get it in both ears from... Uh, you know, both sides on this one. I appreciate that. But does it need to be talked about? Yeah. Should people be calling each other names and using the racist word as often as they do? Well, I mean, I understand why people get annoyed about it because I do too. Anytime that I try and bring up topics, people tend to hide behind that term. But one wonders whether or not there would be any issue regarding incitement to hatred or anything if we start blaming uh, a minority of people who are coming from another country for all of our woes and our troubles, which we've always had, just getting worse, uh, and uh, that our focus is in the wrong place. Anyway, enough of me for today. Um, Pick it up in the morning. Before I go, though, just on a light-hearted note, the Red Patrollers are out and about. The Red Patrollers, live on the streets of Cork. I believe they're down and about in Opera Lane and will be until 4 o'clock this afternoon. And if I were to tell you that they have lots of giveaways, believe me, they have lots of giveaways. Uh, Colm O'Sullivan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? What's going on? What are you up to? Yeah, we're going to be down in Opera Lane from about 1pm today. And I've just had a look at the pile of vouchers they're after giving me, Neil. And we've got vouchers for everywhere in Opera Lane so think of River Island think of Next think of New Look think if you want coffee Starbucks all these kind of things if you want your eyes sorted out spec savers we've got vouchers for pretty much everywhere in Opera Lane they've got their late night shopping going on now on Thursdays and Fridays as well so we're down there today uh, we're going to be there from 1 till about 4pm today and we'll just be meeting a lot of people chatting to
to a lot of people getting you maybe on Instagram we might ask you a little Opera Lane easy Opera Lane related question and uh, if you get a right we might give you a voucher and even if you get a wrong I might be generous <laughs> and give you a voucher Neil There's <laughs> one for everyone in the audience then is there? Exactly exactly it'll be like the toy show um, so yeah there's loads of stuff going on and lots of vouchers so if you're around Opera Lane if you're around the city centre a little bit later on this afternoon uh, you'll spot me you'll spot the Red FM team and uh, you'll see me running around with a microphone and a big stack of uh, vouchers over my shoulder like a headless chicken that you are 1 o'clock to 4 <laughs> o'clock today at Opera Lane enjoy thanks Colm have a great one cheers Neil back in the morning have a good day I'll see you tomorrow for more Red FM podcasts go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts